I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Mitchell on the way inside. Shiren on the board. He'll push it ahead. Nemhard on the run. The lob to Kalumba. This is Farabello in the corner. Step back after he got Jones in the air. Two threes from Creighton's bench. A rarity for a bench that does not score a lot. Eight to shoot. Farabello back cut. Ball count and the foul. Colette underhands it, prospers three, rebounded by Shireman. 90 seconds to play in a two-point game. Drop there, Shireman, jump stop, inside, tied up. There was stuff thrown at the Marquette bench after the game. Uh, that is unacceptable. We, we win with class. And we lose with class. We respect our opponents. We respect the game. And I appreciate every one of the 18,000 plus that were here tonight. Um, but that kind of behavior, there's no, there's no place for it in the Creighton family. We just, we don't act that way. Period. We can get upset at the call. That's my job. But we, we don't do that. But that's not what we're about. And, and it's disappointing that it happened. And, and I don't ever want it to happen again. It's, it's, it's not who we are, it's not who we've ever been, it's not who we're going to be. It's Coach Mack. He said it right. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. Let's not throw stuff on the court. Man, it's a... Uh, Let's not do that. It's testy all over the place, man. I, I feel there's a lot of... Uh, tension? T- there's a lot of tension over the last 15, 16 hours. Is it even man. that long? Well... Maybe it's like 12. 12, maybe? Yeah, I mean, game started at 7.30. Yeah, I just... I, just, I think by, by nature, like it, it's... You know, there's the hoops game. There's, you know, we're talking about recruiting and in-state versus out-of-state and folks being firm. And I don't know. I just I feel like folks are very uh, energetic, maybe combative, if, a little if, bit of both, if you will. We saw some more athlete-on-athlete crime with Honey Badger and Shady McCoy and you know, you the mentioned media. Ga- I mean, it's just you I, mentioned I, the situation yesterday, and I started doing my digging once I got home, and I'm like, oh yeah, there were some oh, people yeah. chiming back on social. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just one or two; it was like seven or eight. Well, I mean, when you host a platform of a show like that, you co-host, and you know, the thing I think that surprised me the most was, you know, media now will take. Apparent, like, seems to kind of take sides in terms of, uh, 
you know, it used to kind of be neutral. Well, you know, that's just such and such and such and such. I, that's just those guys or gals going back and forth. I think now nah, you get some really strong opinions on peers criticizing peers for and it's taken personally their takes on the job so i I mean i just think it's kind of in a deal where we 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 say what whatever we think and and i was joking with you off air i don't have any problems with i really don't going back and forth over something except when people talk in absolutes like when when you go to extremes to use you know, like adjectives to describe people's decision-making or, or behavior. It's like, eh, let's not be that dramatic, right? right? Like when people say things like absolutely no way or all the time or never or always or like those things, ah, you, you, you got you to gotta be careful about doing stuff like that. And, and on the heels of, uh, of last night's game and, and, and speaking of stern and, and – you know, kind of going there. Eh, Coach Mack didn't leave a lot of room for interpretation uh, in terms of don't do it again. It's not who we are. It's not who we've been. It's not who we'll ever be. Like, uh, that, that one was pretty absolute and pretty cut and dry. But listen, man, with with that environment, uh, it was extremely heated. Uh, f- f- for the bulk of that game, and and the the coaches were te- coach Mack with the timeouts his body language ugh, he was like snapping a timeout mm-hmm. I want a full give me a twenty you know shock of smart coming onto the court slapping the floor uh, imploring his players to play harder I mean a good four or five feet on the court at some which point is kind to- of his personality it, it is yeah I mean hey listen I I don't one thing you won't hear from me is. I'm not trying to tell those guys, hey, this is right, this is wrong. I mean, to, to stop. Being yeah, them. like this, this. Yeah, do what you do. Right. And, and the and the officiators, the, the officiators, the officiating officials will deem it as they see fit. That is, is what I was. That is, is a what good I, way to put it. Is what I was trying to say. And I mean, there were some back and forth, man. I, I saw, you know, officials going back and forth. I, the the barreling up of chess to debate calls, I just was like, ugh. It, it lent itself to a chaotic environment the last three minutes of that basketball game. But it started early mm-hmm. and that one in terms of how I felt like the demeanor and the energy in the game was going on the court versus the officials getting control of it early. Jeff Anderson's going to take a lot of blowback for a game like this, but – Let's talk about two different perspectives here. One, kind of off the point that you were just saying, the way that he was calling the game mm-hmm. throughout the entire game was pretty consistent to him mm-hmm. and how he was calling that basketball game. On the contrary, you can look at some of those fouls that he made, those calls that he made, and think, were you in the right position to make that call? There was one on a rebound Late in the second half, when Kalkbrenner's coming across, I think it was Prosper mm-hmm. that was coming in for the board too. Trying to get positioning, Kalkbrenner's late, but Prosper's not really close to the play. And Anderson, by the scorer's table, is making that call, where there's two officials standing right in the vicinity that don't. So there 
were some times where you can warrant a question mm-hmm. on Jeff Anderson's dis- decision. But, you know, let's talk about the play with two seconds left because that call right there did not decide the game for Creighton. Creighton lost that game prior to that moment. Did they have a chance to get it back? Yes. Because when that ball was tipped by Nemhard, Kalkbrenner obviously grabbed it, put it up, and scored. But the Jays were up 12 in the first half. They were up 8 at halftime. They shot over 75% from 2 in the first half. And then all of a sudden there were 15 turnovers on the box score, and 9 of them came in the second half. And we started to see that Marquette was beginning to match the intensity of Creighton late in the first half, and it just carried over into the second half. There was also a time where Creighton didn't score for like six minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was six on the nose, if it was a little more, a little less, but a bucket didn't come, and Marquette's now up 10, and you have seven minutes to go in this game. So were there other factors? Could Creighton have controlled their destiny? Yes. But going back to that one call now, that you were talking about sparked some combative responses on whether it was social media or at the sports desk on TV. Here's where I had some issues with it. And hold on, DB, let me do something for you. There we go. Oh, my here's God. Where, uh, here's where <laughs> – Ah, uh, he's he's going here, ladies and gentlemen. He's uh, going right here as he unzips the coat and breaks out the official shirt. Here, listen, and on a day where you work with a guy that you know cannot stand officiating talk, so here we go. Here we go. <laughs> wow, I had to go over the top. That was it's gonna, gonna be a happy Wednesday. I was, I, was, I was in my what, Bobby. What's Farron, unhappy about this? I, just, Bobby, I just took off my jacket. My Bobby Farron moment. Don't worry. Be happy. So, oh, I'm so, happy. I'm so here's happy. what I saw: some handsy play before the inbounds pass. Nemhard trying to get positioning goes on, goes behind him, has his left arm hooked prior to the pass, releases as the ball is being passed. Sitting there is Cam Jordan, waiting for the basketball. But Igadaro's pass is probably two feet, three feet to the right because he's expecting Jordan to kind of finish his cut, not sit still. Mm-hmm. So now the pass could be considered an errant inbounds pass because he was anticipating a lead pass. That actually benefited Nemhard because Nemhard had better positioning because he was playing behind Towards Cam Jordan sideline. in the moment. And the whistle came after Nemhard hit the ball one bounce. When he, when he smacked that ball away and it was about to take a one bounce to Kalk, here comes the whistle. Now I know in a bang-bang moment you can't really take five-tenths of a second, eight-tenths of a second, and think, why didn't he make that call nine-tenths of a second earlier? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. But it seemed as though... Jeff Anderson was already anticipating something to happen. And I got that vibe because right after he made the call 
and Mac was right in his ear. You knew that if you make a call in that moment, the home bench is going to storm you. Plus, it's it's in front of Mac, so he can see what happened when the whistle blew. When you make a call like that, turn around. I couldn't believe it. And square up to a guy I, that's taller than you. I, I couldn't. And believe. bigger than you. That's the most disappointing thing about the whole the whole thing. thing. That that's the entire thing. I didn't even. We haven't talked about this, but. I, there was zero professionalism taken by Jeff Anderson. And in that, that wasn't moment. the first time last night that that had happened. That had happened two or three other times. But I couldn't believe the bristling of the chest to go chest to chest to argue or to defend the call. I think that part kind of heightened the whole deal. Because, uh, listen, it's, it's, all about, it's all about vantage points. And... I had a couple guys walk me through it over the weekend. A couple, you know, a couple calls on on Saturday in, in versus Bellevue West. Like I didn't love, right? And so I just ask for a lot of those guys are my buddies, right? So I'm just asking for, hey, you know, what'd you see? Little clarity. Yeah, what'd you see? You say, oh, you know, this angle, this or this angle, that, and. I think on a couple of two or three times last night, it was about angles and positioning. Now, again, I know what coaches are going to say. They're going to say, hey, listen, that's part of the job. That's what you do. But the officiating crew, um, I think they know their rotations. They know their spots on the floor. I do wonder how people feel. 888-638-4876. I do wonder how people feel. When, like, let's say a, a foul happens on the baseline and somebody from the wing makes the call. Or a foul happens opposite an official mm-hmm. with, his, with potentially a back to a play, right? The play that comes to mind last night is Kalkbrenner's box, box out. Where Jeff made that call from on the scores box. table. It was behind Kalk, right? Mm-hmm. So from his vantage point, what you see? He sees Prosper go to the ground. If you're looking from the baseline or at Kalkbrenner in his face, I think you could see there was very little contact, and it was m- momentum from them oh, both. It, yeah, it was. Th- there was no contact. So I guess if you, that's the one. That's the call that I thought was pretty bad. Because it's it was on the baseline, you can see it. Um, it drew it drew Boz. It didn't draw his ire, but as a broadcaster, what you don't particularly do, at least we're asked not to do, is you don't hammer the you don't hammer officiating, right? You bring it back to the broadcast. You bring it back to the broadcast. But on two different occasions, Bob was like, I don't know about that one. Then you get the slow mo on the jumbotron. You get the slow mo on the television screen. And you're like, yeah, I don't know that that's a foul. And that right there, mm-hmm. I think there's a little less than three minutes to go. There's probably two. It's f- adding up at this two, point. Two fifty on the clock, right? Or two forty-five. Ket gets only one point out of it. I think Prosper made one of two, and it was sixty-five, sixty-two. So I think it made it sixty-six, sixty-two. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Social media is fantastic at that. Um, Correcting you if you're wrong. Uh, just anybody. Like, I, th- right. But I kind of like it, though, right? Because right. I don't want uh, – it's fine. Uh, it's, I didn't it's know a, if you meant by giving you the right information. No, it's, all, it's, all, it's all good, right? Uh, whether it's grammar or whatever. 
But so I the play at the end of the game, I didn't have a huge problem with. Um, what I don't like, and I tried to warn people about, I do it all the time. And sure enough, it, it, it rears its ugly head. What I always say, hey, be careful. Don't be that person that gets into legislating when you should or shouldn't call something. You'll never win at the end of the day. You cannot say, well, at this particular stage, would you call? Don't even entertain that. Like, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong when you get into at a particular stage of the game on if you should call something. If you think it's a foul, it's a foul. Don't legislate time of game or match because it doesn't – you're not going to win. So now all of a sudden we want to say, oh, man, would you have called that in the first half? Why, are we, why is that even a thing? If it's just keep it, keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. If you think it's a foul, it's a foul, regardless of when it happens. Officials know ahead of time. Just assume they know. They don't want their whistle to ultimately decide the game. They don't. But that doesn't mean you're going to swallow it intentionally just because. And here's the thing. You gave up multiple runs. You were up 12 you were up 12. You let a team call a timeout. They go on a 7-0 run. You can't extend. That's why I made sure to say at the beginning, you this tur- didn't lose. You turned the, game. the ball over three of your first four possessions in the second half. You heard Coach Mack, who, who, and this is a mouthful for him, in the post game, I listened to it three times. He said, we lost our minds. <laughs> so for Mack, that's... For Coach Mack to say we lost our minds out there the way that he said it to Bish, he's based that's the equivalent to you saying, DB, you you might be the biggest Richard Head I know. Like th- those are stern words from Coach Mack, right? He benched Kaluma. Like there were a lot 15 of minutes. There were a lot of things. Fifteen minutes. That I think that they would like to do differently. The 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 call, no call, in my opinion, I think intensified the deal. Yeah, and let's get to some callers. Here on line one, we have Anna to talk about the CU crowd. AB, perhaps? Anna Bellinghausen? Is not, that not sure. We'll see. What's up, Hello? Anna? Hello. <laughs> it's AB. What's up? Hey, guys. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Let's talk about the, the CU crowd. I mean, you were in – that atmosphere last night at CHI, I'm sure it was one of the loudest you've ever heard CHI, but mm-hmm. what'd you gauge? What do you want to talk about? Jeez, yeah. Uh, first of all, crazy competitive game. It felt like a March Madness one that we got blessed with here in February, but you kind of knew it was going to be a rowdy game from the start. I mean, the Creighton student section, I've never seen that rowdy on a Tuesday night ever before. It really felt like a Saturday or a Friday night. Um, and just the animosity between the Marquette bench and the student section. I mean, they're right next to each other. So it's really hard not to have that. And the Marquette bench was really interacting with the student section, which also didn't necessarily help. I mean, they were shushing the student section, waving at them. But also the CU students were doing the same thing back and chirping at them, of course. I mean, 
it's hard to get away from that in such intense games like that and so much at stake. But just the atmosphere, I mean, you, I think it was one of the best atmospheres created at CHI that I've ever seen since, you know, being a fan here in Omaha. And, you know, the, you saw the towel thrown on the court. I don't know. Could you guys see that on TV? Yeah, we could. there were multiple objects yeah. that came on the court. I didn't know what they were, That's though. what I was about to say. I didn't know what was thrown. So it was the one of the blue towels that were given out pregame. They were on the back of every chair, and it was just a towel. So luckily it wasn't any item that could cause harm. But still, you regardless should not be throwing anything towards the court and then they give the fans the in-venue warning, like, hey, if you guys throw one more thing, it's going to be a technical on Creighton. And obviously, the fans understood that, and I think straight away from that, but apparently there was another towel thrown, yeah. and the refs didn't see it, though, but the Marquette bench was yelling, team up, team up, and yeah, it obviously didn't happen, but still, um, unfortunate that it had to happen that way with the with the items thrown, and Greg McDermott, I'm sure you guys saw last night, addressed that in his press conference. Yeah. And I've never seen the guys or Greg get to a press conference so quickly after a game. Like oh, they he was steaming. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like running up to the podium. And like the SID, Rob, was not even in the room yet. We had to wait for him to get in the room. And then first thing off the bat, Greg addresses that situation. And then um, apparently items were thrown towards the Marquette bench yeah. post-game. I didn't personally see anything, but the people that I knew that were there said around the student section, but not from the student section, so you, you just don't necessarily know unless they go in and really try to investigate what happened post-game. Let me ask you something real quick, A.B. When's the last time you saw a game where, you, where officials actively interacted with the fans and – like the the way that happened early last night in the arena with Jeff. Jeez, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a game where the refs were interacting that. That was animated wild. towards the refs and the fans, and so from my point of view, I, I didn't even really get to see the situation that happened with the refs and Mac when he basically like squared him up. It was yeah. a really odd. It was a really odd thing to see, and I, from our vantage point in the media section, you can't really see see that. And obviously, emotions were flying both ways, so it it's hard to tell what happened unless you were right next to Mac or the ref. But it it wasn't the best look. Mm. It, it gave me vibes that he was insecure about that call. Thanks, AB. We appreciate you. Let's go over to line two, Shaner, and talk to uh, little orphan Kim because she still thinks the sun will come up tomorrow. <laughs> hey, Kim. The sun, good morning, the sun is up. It is. It's, 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 so, we, we have our blinds. Yeah. I'll open, those, I'll open those bad boys up here in a little bit, Kim, but I'm going to take your word for it. Okay, so let's start with the required housekeeping stuff. Housekeeping? Yeah. I mean, our love for Mason Miller. So let's start there. I don't know if this is an hour love thing. We love Mason Miller, yes. Okay, Andrew, you don't love Mason Miller? (laughs) Not as much as you, Kim. I'm going to let you have that one. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so, all right. Yeah, I know. Officiating doesn't make or break that game. We lost that game. We could have had that game. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That's the second housekeeping thing. But, <laughs> but, that same official, the way he interjects himself into the game, and I think he does it intentionally because he's been doing it for a few years. Yeah. During the COVID season, when there was hardly anybody at those games, and I got to be in the lower bowl for a while, which I should never be in the lower bowl. I mean, that's just it. But I'm not a lower bowl person. Ask Damon, Andrew, he'll tell you. (laughs) Um, He actually interacted with my sweet five-foot-three daughter, who is all of 100 pounds soaking wet. Did he square up on her, too? Oh, well, he, yeah, pretty much. Ooh. And all she did, all she said to him as he's running down the court, because she's a nurse, wear your mask correctly. Oh. <laughs> and he came, he came after her. And he's like verbally in the middle of a game. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that seems, and he was at it last night with fans. And I don't, you know, ask Robbie. Mm. Talk to Robbie about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I appreciate the call. Thanks, Kim. I, I almost had to. I almost had to mute Robbie. Oh yeah, he was on. I'm it. not. We Robbie and I it. are gonna have a chat about <laughs> all that whining he was doing. Hey, let's set up the show and get to our poll question next. It's coffee and cream. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. The Marquette Golden Eagles close it in on perhaps a commanding lead in this ballgame. Time out, Creighton. A 13-0 Marquette run. And are the Golden Eagles closing in on a Big East title? Hey, welcome back to the show. We appreciate your calls, and that's by calling this number, 888-638-4876, if you'd like to get involved in any way, shape, or form here on Coffee and Cream. Alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hill Varsity Club, and it's a beautiful Wednesday morning here in Omaha. We appreciate having you, you with us. You keep saying that. I, why do you keep saying Like, can I just ask you what makes it? Are you just saying that? Hmm? Like, what makes it, huh, what, hmm? huh, huh? I feel, like, what? I feel like you're talking to hmm? Mary Kate and Ashley. Like, what makes it a beautiful morning? It's windy, it's cold, it's overcast. Like, is it because we just got up? Or are you like Prince, an overcast Well, day. so for me, maybe I've been up for like two and a half hours Ray. now. Yeah. So, like, I'm feeling good at this point. Like Billy Ray? Mm-hmm. I got good, out my thoughts. Lewis, looking good, I, Billy I got Ray. out my thoughts in the opening segment. I don't think you did, though. You don't think I, I got out everything? No, because you and I completely disagree. I don't think you got him out. I think it was a foul. Well, yeah, because I don't. <laughs> no, that's that not why. Across. That's not why I think that. That's <laughs> not why I think that. I feel like that came across. I didn't think it was a foul. It was a foul. 
was, at, okay, so here's where we clarified, though. <laughs> there were the use of hands prior to the inbounds pass, I agree with, right? There are plenty of moments in basketball games, though. I mean, Kolick, if you watch that playback and don't watch Jordan and Nemhard, watch Kolick and Reef guarding Kolick. Kolick's shoving him off to try to get space. There's always hand shoving, right? That's why I don't do it all too much. Is it only because the play was around Jordan that you do call that foul? There's some divide there for me. Was there an arm hook? Yeah, because why could Nemhard go from the left to the right so quickly? I'm there. I'm with that. But when the foul came, it didn't make You're sense talking about like when he, blew, when he blew the whistle? When he blew the whistle. Yeah. Because, and here's, here's what I'm saying. When that ball was inbounded, it wasn't even to Cam. No, it lot, wasn't even close. Lot, lot, well, and so, so he but sometimes, though, on the inbounds, though, AR – you do go. You do throw it to the open spot, not right to the guy. Like you throw it to where he's going to be, where you think he's going to be. Yeah, it's a lead pass. Yeah, right. But he didn't go there. So when you talked about an earlier moment with Prosper on the rebound, and you saw Anderson's view from a yeah, distance, he called that he, from Kalk's backside. Correct. And because you saw Prosper go to the ground, whether there was contact or not, Anderson makes that call. Anderson made a call because. Who went to the ground? Jordan in this moment. But he had to because the ball wasn't even near him. Mm. He had to try to dive and take that away from Nemhard. Did you feel like a troubled child? No, uh, sometimes I feel it's a motherless child. But anyway, did you feel like Jordan ever got his balance back after being hooked? I don't even know if he lost his balance. Okay. Because he was just standing there waiting. He had time. If, if Igadaro would have passed that ball second and a half earlier – Cam Jordan makes that catch. Nemhard still hooked around, wraps him up, foul called. You go down and shoot free throws. Mm. Nobody's raising a finger. But it's because of a bunch of different events that led up to the whistle. The, the sit down for Jordan, the bad pass from Igadaro, the arm of Nemhard, the tap with the right hand from Nemhard, the Jordan dive. Who sees him dive? Jeff Anderson makes the whistle call or blows his whistle. That's what I have an issue with. I, I, you know what? Do I have an issue with the call? No. Do I have an issue with the timing of the call? Yes. Maybe I do have an issue with the call, too. Maybe it's a combination of the two. Let me ask you something. Because we, we've been talking about plus minus lately, and mm-hmm. um, our man Random Mike. Now uh, it's a beautiful morning. <laughs> a beautiful morning. Hey, so can you give me off the top mm-hmm. the three players that played for – Creighton mm-hmm. last night that operated in the plus. Now keep in mind, Uncle Ruru. Keep in mind that Creighton at one point led by double figures right, in the first half and led for a good amount of that game. I'm going to say Nemhard for one. First of all, so did I give you the number of how many players it was already? You said three. Okay. Right? Yes. Do you want me to give all three and then you tell me that I'm way off? Or do you want me to tell you no if you say a no? Tell me no. No. Okay. (laughs) Not Nimhart. Let's go with Reef. Correct. Let's go with... There's no way it was Shireman. Correct. Let's go with... 
gosh, was it everybody that was on the bench? And that's there's what you're there's three, and right. one of them was Farabello. Sh- Correct. There's yeah, he two. A lot of minutes. Um, Reef Farabello. I feel like I, I'm going to be wrong uh, for saying this, but I'm going to say it because it almost it's feels obvious. like a trick. It feels like a trick to me. It, is it Mason Miller? No. Okay, is it Alexander? No. Is it Kalk? Yes. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Jiminy Christmas. Well, it's I, obvious. I guess two bench his, guys, I'm because like, Because his, oh, imp- his impact oh, on the game when he's in the game is so evident. It's not even funny. But he played. He played a lot of minutes, which made me think that you were trying to steal yeah, me away when 30, I say two so, bench guys. So let me ask you something, because you just walk me into the to the water. So let's drink. He played thirty five minutes. Thirty five minutes for Ryan Kalkbrenner. How was he only four or five from the floor? I've been saying it for a while now. No, no, no. You like, got to give him more shots. Okay, so. It's one of those things that sticks in my craw about how we make this about officiating. I get it. Listen, I listen. Mm-hmm. I totally. But under- he was also taken away in this game. Marquette defensively was fantastic. Kind of, kind of. I think they did a great job. No, no, no. Him down low. No different than Marquette running one gosh darn set almost the whole game with the little low ball screen, letting Colet go to work. That's a travesty. You cannot let Marquette do that to you for thirty some minutes, right? Like especially late when Kolek started to get busy. You had to make some sort of adjustment on how you wanted to play the ball screen because down the stretch, Marquette was working out on you. Now, that's my whole little – let me get off that soapbox mm-hmm. real quick because that's one of those things I think Mac and that staff – and I'm watching Huss real close because I, I, li- I, I, I like him a lot. And I like Miller too because they like – when they talk to you on the bench, this is how they're talking to you. You probably can't see this on your dial, but I'm like looking right at Uncle Ruru, right? I'm thinking to myself, I need your eyes. I need you to talk to me. And Huss is kind of the energy guy. And Miller's like the little he, – he seems like this little firm guy like, I'm going to get in your shorts, but I'm going to give you some love. I'm going to give you some sugar too when you need some sugar. Mac, I think, was – last night, I think, for whatever the reason, it seemed like Coach Mack was more beside himself than I had seen him in a long time. Now, I could be completely wrong, but I'm just trying to read his mannerisms and his body language because I think his greatest skill set, in, in my opinion, is, is his relationship that he has with guys. Because he does some things sometimes where if you don't have a good relationship – Man, it's it's hard, right? Like having like how does Sharif Mitchell hanging in there? That has to be hard. Farabello hanging in there sometimes that has to be hard. Frederick King and Frederick King could be like, Mac Price is the Fred, hey Frederick. You know what? This is what's happening out here when you, we give up a lot when we play you, even though you can score the basketball because teams have a plan when we insert you when they want to go at you defensively, right? Or you know, you got to be able to sometimes, I think, talk Trey Alexander off the ledge. Hey, Trey, I know we want to get you. I know you want 12, 13 shots a night, man. And, but, man, did you get a good look last night to knock that one down. We're not going to get a better look from three for a guy that shoots 40% from the arc last night. So I say all these things to say, Drew Down, why are we debating? 
debating the one call, no call. Oh, and it wasn't even the most. It but I'm was, not debating that with it, you. It, you w- know what I said off the rip. We's not you. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you meant us back and forth. I'm no, like, I tried, no, I've been I tried, saying I, like right away. This, I try, this I try, game was decided elsewhere. I try to get my pronouns <laughs> right. We is not you. I Like there were so many other. How? So. And and we'll talk to Matt DeMarinis. We haven't even set the lineup. This no, thing was so explosive will. early. <laughs> um, we've got we've got Brian Ed- <laughs> Brian Edwards. We got Brian Christofferson coming up. We got Kevin Suits coming up. We have Matt DeMarinis. And maybe we save this one for Maddie D because I think for as much of a fan as Maddie D is, he does have. Um, I've been in a couple of group texts with him. He he can be pretty pragmatic too. So he may be a good guy to ask. Like. Is there a difference between playing the play the way that you play, i.e. shot selection, and situational awareness? Because I thought that failed Creighton more than anything last night. It's a good question. Yeah, save that for Matt. Is, is, is there a difference? Too long of a response here. I hear, I hear, seconds, I hear bed music. <laughs> we call that a tease. Hey, I promise we will set up the show next. With Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Alexander on the switch to Alexander from range. That three will fall for Trey Alexander. Improved three-point shooter in a major way. Welcome back to the show this morning, Wednesday morning. Coffee and cream alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, powered by Currency. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Now we are taking calls at home. I, I guess I got to put my bat up. DB giving me some play calling. No, I some, was some just. Signals. I just wondered if you wanted am me I, to put my I headsets do, on. Am I doing a bunt? Uh, uh, I am not. Uh, I'm. I. If I was a baseball manager, I would be very aggressive. So yes, we may have some hit and run in play. We. I may move guys over. I want as athletic a team as I can get. Speaking of being aggressive. And we're going to put the ball in play, Uncle Ruru. <laughs> we're not going to be striking out waiting for bombs. I don't know. In college baseball right now, that's all I see. Hey, I know. People wow. are just <laughs> wow. yakking the ball. <laughs> so you know what it is, though? I'm serious. All these power arms that really are two-pitch guys, you run the risk of, of – Four-seam fastball and two-seam fastball? You And listen <laughs> – <laughs> you 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 run the risk of of a little velocity, a little exit velo being ramped way up, and some of these college ballparks they they just can't contain it. No, hey, you almost wonder too. Nice little dovetail into college baseball for <laughs> no reason at all. You almost wonder too if metal bats are. Becoming something that college baseball players shouldn't use because uh, nah, we're at, good. At this rate, it's home we, run we derby went, central. We, but I love it. We I, went through I'm that. Not, I'm not we went through it. that core era in, in college baseball, and it was poopy. Oh, BB core. Ooh. We went through that. I hate BB core. We I had to use that in high school. Just keep. <laughs> just listen. Just keep the balls in the microwave. Tighten those stitches up, and we're good. Bing, bing. Hitting little P rockets at folks, dude. I'm nuts. So I mean, P-Lows. let's just let's just let's just get that out of our system. You're right nuts now. I I just I'm just no I way. just think it, I just think it's funny. I don't know, man. There's a lot going through my head. 
number one, I'm still mad at my son, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Micah, Caleb? No, you didn't catch his act last night? Oh, Fudge, I'm not even going to show you because you'll gas the fire even more, but we'll save that for another day. Um, <laughs> oh, no, 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 I saw it. I saw it, I saw it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm over here thinking they didn't play yesterday. Now I know what you're talking about. No, just him. He, he is. We oh man, that was that was the best. That was such a power move on his part. Good on him. From Good on a, Caleb. For a kid that doesn't talk, to, you're crediting with, with a proud oh, power yeah. move on I'm social happy. media. You know what? It, it's like me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing that I would do. So yes, Caleb. Good on you. I'll take you to so, school any day. You don't need a car. So weak sauce. I'll, I'll take him to school. Any um, day. But anyway, I just think. Like all the so the very first text that I got this morning, I mean right off the bat, I, he didn't even say good morning. My man said, "I hate officiating talk." I, no, he said, "I hate blaming the officials. It is so lame." I didn't even got, I I didn't even put the keys in the ignition yet or push the little car start thing. I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to blame. Do you know how livid I was on set? Listen, your boy had to get up and pace during the Bellevue West game. It was so bad in my insides. I went and sat with Ron and Twani Dotzler. Say that name out loud. Yes, I said Dotzler. Do you know who they're the parents of? A kid that plays on the other team. But oh, do you, is that so? <laughs> but do you know why I had to go sit with them? Because they were my counselors before I got married, so they know how to talk me off a ledge. That's great. <laughs> People probably misread that situation. I was like, I just went, I just went and sat with Ron. I was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Twenty gave me a high five, and she's like, she's probably thinking, yeah, very hurt right now. yeah, that's probably what she was <laughs> thinking. She's like, hey, hey man. David, David. How does that make you feel? Hey, how was that 9-0 run to close the half? Huh? How was that, buddy? <laughs> how did that make you feel? But anyway, so it's just Get like pressed. I just feel like um, emotions are running high. I watched – who's the guy – I told you about him yesterday, and I forget his name. I know his first name is Nick. I should look him up. He has the talk show, and he went through this transformation with his hair, and everybody made fun of him growing his hair out. And he had the total meltdown on Bienemy not being hired because he was African American, and he went through the last five years mm-hmm. of all the coordinators getting jobs that played that coached in the Super Bowl, except for Leftwich, who got fired, and Eric Bienemy. Who who am I? Is it Nick? It's Nick Wright. I think it's Nick Wright. Right, the guy with he he yes. had the real yes. funny mm-hmm. the real funny shtick during the Kansas City parade. Yeah, so. And and I'm just I'm listening to him the last couple of days. It just seems like ooh, we're on edge. <laughs> and I'm like, I just come to the show to have fun. Not really. I want to educate and be educated, but it just seems like every turn, man, somebody's mad about something. So He's I was trying to have a little bit of fun. That's not what. Oh, that would be the last guy. <laughs> you, you don't think so? No, you, you don't think he would have kept quiet? No, nah, but. but <laughs> The BC- hey, Shane, what do you think about the BCS and why you make the... <laughs> That's why they that hey, you know the funny thing? The guy that made that call is who I was talking about sitting next to at the Creighton game. That's oh, Jeff Anderson's BS. brother? The guy that put the one second back on the clock. <laughs> He's great, though.
Dribble, 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 dribble. That's what he was saying behind me in my ear. Dribble, 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 dribble. Anyway. What are you like? Hey, the student section's over there. No, he was wild. It's So for where those seats are, like, I mean, they're as good as it gets. There's some fun people. Like, you think it would be a little stuffy, a little bougie. Plus, you know, my guy is, is pretty cool, too. AC's not one of them. I couldn't hang out with a stiff, you know. But why do you think, like... I just feel like emotion. We're just—it's running high, Andrew. It's running high. Yeah, what are you doing? I, I looked up at the clock and I'm like, what? Is this segment hey, over? You know, I, I did not set up the show. You know what I was waiting for is the for you to snap because you said by. you have some snark the way that what you say to him, and I was like, ooh, Shane, he doesn't mean that. Well, sorry, I was a second and a half late to making that call. Oh, we're going passive aggressive this morning. Well, you are wearing an official shirt. Makes sense. <laughs> are you team? Are you Call te- me Jeff. Are you team Jeff this morning? Team Jeff. My name's Jeff. Hey, so that Jeff Anderson fan account has the. I haven't looked yep. at it yet, but I see you, you're over there on on Twitter. Yeah, if you go to Jeffrey Anderson fan account, anybody at home, you can see a, a view from the upper bowl. Just. It's almost like they knew the call was happening because they were they had it positioned on Jeff. Well, I think at that moment when he makes the call, and how about how Matt goes from like kind of assessing the situation, like, "Are you flipping kidding me?" Right. It was. It was. It could be cropped, but if you watch this video, it's almost as if Jeff thought Mac wasn't going to say a word. Uh. He was about to just walk nonchalantly to the scorer's table when there's a second and a half on the clock and think that he isn't going to have to hear an earful from Creighton's head basketball coach. It, it is humorous to And me. he got an earful. Oh, yeah. And let's just say uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Mac's like, how's the weather down there? Because, <laughs> boy, in this video it makes Mac look even taller. <laughs> no, he's a he's, – Well, he is he's a, a, he's a skyscraper. He's a big guy. He is. Man. And and he's lost so much weight, he looks even longer. But Jeff's reaction here, I know, I we got to get off of this eventually. <laughs> you Jeff, can't, you can't, you feel, co- you feel compelled. Look Jeff's, at Jeff's reaction here, DB. <laughs> he makes this call. Imagine this is this is Mac. Hey, no, wait, wait, wait. Should we have like full effect for our guys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, if you're exactly. watching at home, like, yeah, exactly. so I'm Mac, and I was yeah. like, wait, yeah, what? I blow the whistle. What you in the world is scream. going? Hey, and he, he acted go- like a child. Hey, what call? Right? What kind of call is that? He acted as if a child didn't do what you just said. He is this did. is this Mac right? and Jeff right here? I, I spilled do, the do milk. That, do that thing. I spilled you're... the milk, and he's like, he's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's he's standing here. Why am I standing on the chair? Hey, how childish is this? This But I did feel like that because Mac was kind of doing his thing, and he was like, he's like, what? Mm -hmm. What? And, hey, so – he like rolled his arms back. He's like, but it wasn't me. And he That's like, Jeff. and he like did this. Uh-huh. Like this terrible radio, unless you're on YouTube, which shame on you if you're not. But <laughs> I adjusted your camera, dude. I'm crazy. But I know. But I now just, you just see your forehead. That's how much I gave you extra height. Hey, listen, man. So you know, I I just don't. I, 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 so I get why that added to the vitriol, but there were so many things that I felt like Creighton should have done differently. You only had three guys with plus, plus minuses, and two of them came off the bench. Like, you can't, 
You're not going to win that way. And I still want to know the difference. I'm going to ask Matt DeMarinas. Again, 888-638-4876. What am I doing? Lance on YouTube just says, why does AR-15 have a referee uniform just laying in his Oh, Michigan row? Lance? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's crazy. <laughs> he, added, he added this. What did he say? Hey, he's wild. <laughs> you can't take that guy anywhere. But listen, though. No, I'm an actual official, Lance. Believe but, it or not. <laughs> he knows you're cray-cray. Hey, so Everybody does. What is the difference? Is there a difference? Again, I, I, need, I, need, I need a frame of reference here, folks. Talk me off the ledge here. Is there a difference between saying that's just who we are, we play how we play, versus self-awareness and using the term ill-advised? Like, can I say that? Can you be a combination of the two? I don't know, but at what point do you, should you be explaining 10 of 28? And it's, not just, and it's not just the 10 of 28 because you made three, you made four in like a four-minute stretch, or three anyway. So that's, then you're like seven throughout the rest of the game. But is that... Is that who they are and is that who they should be? Those are the kinds of things I want to know that's, so that's we can take prompt. officiating that out made, of it. I think that made it easier for people to understand. Is that who they are or is that who they should be? Again, Colt still easier. only got five field goal attempts. Brian Christofferson up next. We will continue Nebraska football talk throughout the hour and Kevin Suits all coming your way. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. It's a good thing I have Damon Benning on standby to my left because in order to calm me down, he presented me with an Acres Ale. (laughs) (laughs) It is tasting crisp and clean. Oh, shoot. Brit Musburger. Light, refreshing flavor helps me start to digest a little bit of my feelings from last night. So I appreciate DB, you know, helping me out, always carrying an Acres Ale in his backpack just for me because he knows I like things that are locally brewed. It is the perfect beer to wind down. Normally I say at the end of the day, but today we're just going with wind down. (laughs) How about a beer? (laughs) He tossed me one of those bad boys. I shotgunned it, and here I am back with you at the 8 o'clock hour, and I know our next guest will appreciate – my Lucy Goosey side for the eight o'clock. Lucy Goosey. We are talking to Brian Christofferson now, senior writer for Husker twenty four seven at Husker twenty four seven BC on Twitter. Brian, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Hey, Brian. Let's first talk about this. So, as much as I want to keep talking about Creighton, this referee that. I'm not going to anymore because I, I, I feel like I, I've already... I feel like a penguin. I've already calmed down. But um, something that Creighton has, that a lot of other teams don't, is that they know who they are. They have a good culture in the room. And e- even 
the team up in Lincoln can say the same thing right now, that culture uh, was, whether it was created at the start of the season or halfway through the season, I'd venture to say both programs uh, of Division I, uh, Big Ten, Big East caliber, recreated culture halfway through the season. Um, how much do you think that benefits just basketball teams entirely at this stage this month with either the NIT in the window or March Madness in the window? Yeah, I always think culture is one of those subjects that people sort of actually roll their eyes about in the off season because sometimes it feels like it's connected to fluff type stories. And I understand because it's always like, oh, the culture's better this year. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. So people kind of have that vibe about it when it's not in season and yet I think it is everything when you get down to it Um, and that's why coaches speak about it so much because it's it's having a team um, that that trusts each other and that has uh, you know been through things together um, even like in football like in winter conditioning and things like that where you're you're grinding it out when nobody's watching and um, you sort of know what to expect from the person next to you and there are certain standards that you hold yourself to um, in all different platforms and then it sort of translates I think in those critical moments and you see it with the best teams like um, you know in March in basketball you see those teams that just have that sort of will about them and they feed off each other in those in the toughest of moments and that's stuff that's built uh, when no one's looking you know so um, I, I, I do think it's everything, and yet I understand why when we write about it um, with certain teams before it gets going and we're keeping score, people are kind of like, yeah, okay, we'll see, you know. So um, that, that, that's why it's always interesting to me. It, it kind of means nothing to people sometimes when they hear about it in the off season, and yet it's everything when, it, when uh, we're deciding things. BC, a couple things here. First, um, when you look at the spring schedule, like real time, were you thinking to yourself, oh, that's interesting, or yeah, since I knew that the spring game was the 22nd a couple of weeks ago, I could just work the calendar backwards, or were you like, man, they're not going to break this up with spring break. Let's start there. What were your initial thoughts real time when you looked at the spring schedule? Much ado about nothing? No, I mean, I, I like it. Um, I guess it was what I expected because you're right. They sort of had to fit it in certain inside a certain calendar window and i had heard they were kind of starting march 20th so you're like okay there's not going to be much time for a break there it's going to be pretty steady they have like one four-day break or where they take four days off i think between april 6th and 11th but aside from that it's basically every day or every other day and um i like that i like that consistent grind and kind of building that up within your team um but also giving some rest and recovery days inside there I think those eight to nine day layoffs that they had uh, with the spring break when it was in the middle, like after seven or eight practices, I always thought that was probably pretty difficult to work around to get guys going after they came back from that. But Nebraska often tried to deal with that. And uh, I don't think that was probably the most beneficial. So I like this schedule much better. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I before I you know, because I was pretty excited, right? And I think a lot of it was just because, oh, you know, that's how I used to do it. But because, uh, you know, we never took a break off in between spring. But I do think there's something for repetitive behavior without taking a break. That was my initial thought, right? Like, that's why I liked it, because 
you get good workload in. But then I just wanted to double check to make sure I wasn't giving him too much credit. And that was just, you know, it was the luck of the calendar, right? Like, oh, you had to do it this way. But he said something interesting that he'd gone back throughout his history and he'd looked at eight week windows for mastery or to build a good framework before you start the endeavor an endeavor something like spring ball where he wanted to have the guys in the weight room a certain amount of time and he had to bring them in a week earlier than normal on the calendar to get the full eight weeks in how how non-surprising is that the coach rule is like utilizing old data versus new kind of where's my guy at to put the best plan in place for what nebraska needs the thing I've learned about him quickly, and you probably have too, is that no detail is too small with him. And um, I, I, I think he's got his fingerprints over everything, um, most everything that goes on with that program. And that's, uh, I think that's something Husker fans really like. They, they kind of want other head coach. They want to feel like he's in charge and he's thinking about all these details, even if some of them at, you know, at some point might seem like minutia to an outsider. Uh, they're not to him. I remember when, you know, Tony White was talking to us, the defensive coordinator, about taking the job, and immediately Rule had sent over to him, like, uh, a study of percentages of, like, the specific personnel of what Big Ten offenses used the previous season and uh, had all the data worked out. And obviously there's people who can help with that over there uh, with all the staffers and stuff. But, I mean, that just goes to show you, like, even in those – early conversations with the guy who you're bringing on board, the type of conversations you're, you're talking about with this topic is like with everything, you know, like it's, uh, we're going to, we're going to have all the information on this. Some of it you can probably take or leave it, but we're going to have it in front of us and we're going to try to use um, data that has proven successful in the past and make it useful in the present and going forward. So um, that doesn't surprise me what you say at all, actually. BC, with the late spring practice starting point, do you think it's more rule is wanting to kind of sit back and see who's going to maybe work through spring break, stay in the weight room, get ready for spring, or do you think it's more for, hey, let's give these guys a little bit of time off so that maybe they can go home, see their family, clear their head, and come back with a fresh slate uh, once practice begins? Yeah, that's a good question, Andrew. I would, I would think it it could be a a combination of things, but yeah, I I I do think the 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 time away is important to rule too. Like you hear him talk so much about like rest and recovery, and um, I think getting guys sort of like I think right physically and mentally. So it wouldn't surprise me if part of uh, anything they schedule is based on the idea of giving guys time to step away here and there and then go into it full bore, you know, like, like Damon was saying with the schedule, it's like just this consistent drumbeat of every day or every other day for the most part in the spring. But before that, you get a little chance to maybe take a breath after winter conditioning, kind of get yourself in order and then, okay, we're going to attack this. This is the standard. This is what we expect from you. And uh, we're going to go hard every day. As they say, try to get 1% better. 
Um, so it would make sense to me if there was just like a little pause before they got rolling again at, with that spring break. And uh, I, I, I love that schedule on paper. I mean, uh, I always used to in the old days try to, I guess, make a case for the eight to nine day layoff where they would have spring break square in the middle. And sometimes it was hard for a coach to avoid working around that. But honest to goodness, I was just like, how, how do you get guys rolling again after they have like seven or eight practices? Um, you know, you go away for a week and you can, you kind of re- you're doing all this other stuff and then, okay, you're going to jump right back into the grind. It just seemed very difficult. So I kind of like that this team in year one, uh, avoids having to work around that scenario. BC, full disclosure, fortunately and unfortunately, I was perusing um, 24-7's message board because I Shafe put a, a, <laughs> a good piece out. Well, I thought it was cool because Shafe did a deal on first recruits, like to sign yeah. in classes, and I was like, oh, that's interesting because the little side note to that is one time Coach Rule said, he's like, hey – you know, who's going to be – is that junior day? And he's like, hey, who's going to be the first to commit in 2024? Full disclosure, the last two stints that I've went, the first two guys that committed to me both are in the NFL. You know, and it was just kind of a little funny story, but, of course, something that Matt Rule would know, right? <laughs> so I went I went back and I was reading Shafe's piece, and we got Michael Rose-Ivy in 12, you know, Trevell Dixon, Luke Gifford, Eric Lee, Bubak in 16, Willie Hampton in 17, Cam Jurgens in 18, Garrett Nelson in 19, Logan Smothers in 20, R.J. Sorensen in 2021, Ernest Hausman in 2022, and Bramer was the 2023, and now we've got Gradney. When you look at the first to go and what some think could be a pretty big year in 2024, is there more or less significance for you to the guy that goes first? In this case, Gradney? Um, I don't put a lot of significance on it, but I, that is a fascinating thing that, that Schaefer went through and got all the yeah. guys. And if you look at it, it's a very it's a very uh, mixed bag. And by the way, I know what you're saying, Damon, about the pros and cons of looking at the board. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, listen. And full, 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 yeah, full right. disclosure. <laughs> so, so it's funny, BC, because now, and we know this like in our house, he's kind of an old, he... He's kind of viewed himself as an, oh, by the way, people don't think this. I'm just going to keep my head down and go to work. So I, I just kind of laugh, you know, as, as we go through this process. But anyway, full disclosure, let's go. Well, well yeah, on that, Damon, as you know, like uh, with recruits, even like when we pick our Super 6 list, like more than half the time, like three or four of the guys who I don't have on there or people don't have on there, they're the, they're the better players. So it's like... Yeah, everybody always has these hot takes about everybody, and then it, it, it can, you know, it goes all over the map. So um, you got to take it for a great yeah, assault. total yeah, great assault. Pretty, that that is pretty interesting um, as you went through those names of the first guys because uh, they're, they're definitely worse. Than, I mean, you got your Jurgens, and you got like I mean Hausman. Obviously, it's gone, but he could be a really good player. And Rose Ivy had a productive career, and then you had some that just didn't really make it at all here so it was all over um so it's hard to get like a specific data point from it with uh with the gradney who they just got um what i liked about him is he seemed no nonsense about it like mm-hmm. he he they'd been talking to him for several months and then the offer came it's like yeah that's what i want he thought about it. he's like these guys are they 
they connect with me. Uh, I'm a versatile. He's at a smaller town school in Texas. It's really interesting. He's like a 3A school down there and a very small town. And uh, he plays like everything. And he's he's got those metrics that rural staff loves. Like he, he's good in the triple jump and all that stuff and throws the discus. And um, just sort of a jack-of-all-trades guy who um, I think knows that rural staff loves jack-of-all-trades guys and is good at finding spots where they really fit well. So um, in a lot of ways, he's like the perfect example um, to start this class out. And, uh, you know, he's also not just like he wasn't under a rock. He's a four-star recruit. um, And, you know, I think Notre Dame, I had heard, sort of was hoping that they could stash him away for a while and kind of, uh, maybe work something with him too. So people should know that. I mean, this this was a kid who had some attention. Even if all the offers weren't there yet, they were going to come. You know, speaking <clears throat> excuse me. Speaking of recruiting, uh, when it came to recruiting in 2023, the new staff reestablished those relationships in state. Um, and now in 2024, as everything expands, uh, they'll have to conti- continue to go with a coast to coast recruiting planned would you say today recruiting still starts and ends in nebraska or that the best way to compete with the new and improved big 10 once all of those teams make their way over maybe focusing more on similar recruits that they're eyeing up yeah that's a good one um i think they've said on the record so i'll go with what they say um it starts within your borders and you work out um, you know, I, I, I think with any staff, if, if you can't win your share at home, you're probably going to have trouble winning elsewhere, you know? So you, you got to start there and establish those relationships and be that type of program, um, that, you know, rules said it very poetically. It's, it's that program where kids, um, who are like in fourth grade, they're going to big time Husker games with their parents or whomever, and uh, they're like, I want to be a part of that. You know, when I was a kid, that was it. That was like what it was like. That was what it was like when Rural was a kid, like with Penn State. You know, it's like you, you're you at this full stadium and it's a big time game with the top announcing crew there and everything seems at stake. And it just sort of gets it into your bloodstream like that's that's what I want to do. And so that's going to be the key at some point here in the next couple of years as you start winning and you start putting yourself on that stage where the local kids, uh, without a doubt, are just like, yeah, that's the place first and foremost. If they recruit me, I want a piece of that. Um, So I think they've done the right stuff, though, with the legwork with the in-state guys. Uh, But your question is a good one because you do – Nebraska's always been so interesting as a recruiting school because you do have to – be uh diverse in like where you go i mean you have to be able to go out west and occasionally get into california which they will with tony white some you know i think you're gonna still see them um you're gonna see them more in new jersey i mean new jersey has always been huge to husker recruiting and it's going to be back again i think in a bigger way i think the st louis area and and, uh, kansas city area could be back and play more so i think there's some spots that we've talked about nebraska needing to be in that they haven't maybe quite as much. And uh, this staff, with some of their connections, ideally can can put them in play there again. BC, I think it's natural inclination and it's fair even, if you will, to have some wait and see. It's not 
oh, you know, you can't fully chug the Kool-Aid. Are there what's what staff hires or coaches at that particular position kind of have you in maybe wait and see mode it isn't the best way for it, but it's like, huh, not, I'm not real sure, not real convinced. Maybe it is wait and see. Is there that guy or two out there on staff without being negative? You're just simply curious about the fit in that room. Yeah, curious is a good word for it. I think Rob Dvorak, who's talking today, would be a good answer for that um, for me just because I feel like we don't talk about him as much, do we? I mean, uh, maybe you guys do. I, I just don't feel like he's come up as much because, you know, he's not the 24-year-old like Garrett McGuire, but he is He is in his, I think, late 20s. Nine, um, 29, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a, he's a younger coach too, but, um, you know, he's he, he was around with the Carolina experience and all that stuff, and I just feel like, He's been a little bit more on the fringe of outside conversation. So I'm very curious to hear him today, just like sort of what he's about, what he's looking for from that room. By the way, he he's talking today, as is Corey Campbell and Donovan Riola mm-hmm. to the media late this morning. That's what that what I'm speaking about. So um, I think it's going to be a real get-to-know-you session with him more than even some of the other guys have been because it just doesn't seem like there's been a lot out there on him and not a lot known and sort of like what his recruiting style's like, what's his personality like. And um, he's at a really interesting position group because he's got all these backers. um, You know, he's got the veterans like your Rhymers and your Henriches, but he's also got like MJ Sherman and chief boarders are listed as linebackers right now. And some of these guys I think can move around and be hybrid type players perhaps. Uh, but they've—it's really a, a a wide range of talents and new guys and old guys, and just how he blends that all together is going to be an interesting challenge. Yeah, that's an interesting one because that's not the one that comes up like right away. I think even you know, obviously McGuire and and, and Coop too, just because the young and inexperienced at, at the collegiate level coaching, because the Power Five experience as a whole isn't great. Uh, in terms of this staff. So you can totally tell it's in rule they trust. Because you look at Dvorak, and it's three seasons. He was a student assistant at Temple. I think two seasons he was the quality control coach at Baylor. And then right away he went to a defensive assistant in Carolina. So the ascent has been rapid. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we're only going back to 2014, 2016 at Temple. As, yeah. a, as a student assistant. Curi- the, the word you used to, when talking about these guys was curious, and that's a good, I think, term to put out there because it's, it isn't negative for me with anybody at this point, in part because I look at the track record of rules hires at previous places, and you can find, like, Fran Brown, you know, who was a guy who he believed in at sort of the same age Dvorak is, um, and now he's, you know, working at, at Georgia as the, at the, as the DB's coach and is widely respected. And there's, you know, there's these other examples beyond, um, I can't think of his name right now. He's the stud recruiter who was down, D-line coach down at Texas A&M. I mean, he's one of the best recruiters in the country. Uh, but, but Rules hired some of these guys who really didn't have much of a resume by 
uh, outside perspective standards. Um, and he believed in them because he had enough conversations with them. They trusted him and knew they would work hard. And um, that's the case again with this staff. But it, but curious is the word because you're like, well, let's see if that takes off again. And you can be, it's okay to be a little skeptical if somebody hasn't proven it yet at this level and, and have that wait and see. And I think that's where it is with some guys. BC, I know a lot of people want this question answered, and I wonder if it could come today or maybe allude to an answer. Getting the line of scrimmage back is definitely one of Rule's top priorities, but when do you think is a fair time to think that Rayola and Rule can accomplish this? Well, I mean, I think you want to see – steps by the middle of this season where you feel like they're at least a, a formidable crew. I'm not saying that they're going to be the 95 pipeline or anything like that, but um, just just the building blocks are happening where you're seeing a team that, okay, you, from whatever it looked like in week one, by week five or week six, you feel like it's, it's a better football team up front. And in the years where it's gone south, that's been the, the thing, you know, it's it, it hasn't gotten better it's uh it there's sometimes there were injuries like last season but um i think the i go back to though you want to see an identity too and let's see if the o-line can work off an identity like i i know rule went to bat for the o-line in like the first press conference and he's and one of the things that he kind of slipped in there was you know you basically that you got to have that identity where 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 a line and your your trench group knows what they're all about and what they're being asked to do and you're not just all over the map with your your plan and so i think that those two things have to tie together and you hope by the end of september we're seeing it and um early october and it's the type of football team that uh can grind out some 10 11 play drives i'd love to see that again at nebraska Brian Christofferson, really appreciate your time, and we will talk again next week. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, B. Senior writer for Husker 24-7, Brian Christofferson. Toss him a follow on Twitter at Husker247BC. Up next, we're talking to Kevin Suit, sports director at 1011 Now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show. If you'd like to get involved, 888-638-4876. But you'll have to wait 15 minutes because right now we are talking to Kevin Suits. He is the sports director at 1011 Now. Uh, let's bring him in. Kevin, good morning. How you doing, Kevin? Oh, I'm there doing he is. well. Good morning. Hey, good good morning. Are are you ready for the old the the Wednesday get to know you? I kind of like these how they roll. Nebraska kind of rolls the staff out in spurts, keeping football relevant, and with wrestling going on, women's basketball, Nebraska men's basketball making a run. We get a little get to know you session today. 
Yeah, it's the old, uh, hey, don't forget about us, you know, the almighty <laughs> football program, because there is so much else going on. It's similar to what uh, the Nebraska basketball team did in the summer, not this past year, but in 2021, when they had this influx of uh, new players, transfers, uh you know, Alonzo Verge was a part of that class that they kind of spread those new guys uh, about week by week, and they had good get to know you for basketball. And I really enjoyed that, uh, and it helped keep them relevant during the summer months. So I like the football uh, is taking a page from the basketball program and spreading these out. It's better than just a one day barrage where your head spins and some of those conversations they're they don't they they maybe lack a little substance on the days where they put all ten coaches at different tables and you just had to bounce around from one to the other uh these are fun and i feel like you get to know the coach you get to know their philosophy and then i think they're they've enjoyed the informal setting nature of them you know speaking of getting to know things uh more getting to know about what had taken place in the alabama basketball program uh news coming out with with miller being the one that delivered delivered the weapon, which ended up leading to um, the tragic event. Yeah. But I want to ask you this, because with Bama and where they are right now, you know, second in the nation, projected one seed in March Madness, how does a situation like this affect kind of the team mentality? Not just Miller, who is obviously their best player this year, but the team as a whole. Yeah, first you have to figure out what are they going to do with Brandon Miller. Will he face any sort of disciplinary action? Uh, is there going to be a, a legal case on his hands? And, and it starts there. And it, let's say that everything is cleared and the allegations, uh, the allegations go away, and he's able to play. There's still just this black cloud and Nate Oates. He's already been criticized for how he's handled the situation. How about um, his comments of dis almost dismissive mm -hmm. of Miller? Wrong place, wrong, wrong place, wrong time. Probably not what you should say when a life was lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know he's gone back and issued a public statement following, uh, having said that. He, he seemed, I don't know the, if you guys would agree with this, he seemed almost unprepared when he was at the podium talking sure about did. it. Yeah. Sure did. It, it looked like it caught and, him off guard. I mean, this this is such a heavy matter, you know. Uh, uh, this is a murder, you know. Like, how could you be so nonchalant with your wording when it is such a it's a, such a heavy situation? It's it's kind of bizarre what's happening and. Uh, Andrew, you're right. Like, how does this affect basketball? I know that there are bigger things than basketball right now uh, surrounding that community, uh, but it could certainly take its toll on this team. On the local scale, talking hoops, I want to jump over uh, to the women's side first with Coach Williams and the ramp up for Iowa and, and kind of closing the gap at the half, and then the second half happened. The, the prowess of Caitlin Clark, I get it. But when you look at this team, Kevin, um, the missing ingredients. Health is obviously one, but could you see a deal where you're watching this stretch and you say, you hear Coach Williams say, okay, to, to Jazz Shelley, maybe, hey, here, take this over. This is your team. Like, w what's the next phase, in your opinion, that you think that this basketball team's got to pull off down the stretch run here? I don't know. This, this year has been so puzzling because there wasn't a whole lot of roster change. You know, Markowski's back. Hybe comes back in. I know she started the year injured, but she's been playing significant minutes, and 
Uh, Jazz Shelley's a part of this. Isabella Bourne's a part of this. So how did they go from last year, a team that could win when they needed to win and close games when they needed to close games, and this year uh, the inability to close is so puzzling to me because it's the same players. It's not like you're missing the one person that could score in crunch time. That was typically Sam Hybe, but for some reason this year, I think she's lost some explosiveness. Uh, and maybe we're seeing, and I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole here, but after you've been in a program so long, do, do you maybe lose your fire or your edge a little bit? Because they've been there, done that. Does does the body and the physical toll of playing a fifth season and in some cases a sixth season, does that weigh on you and you lose some sharpness? I don't know. Um, but I, I do see a scenario where it, they've tried to just play like they did last year and it hasn't produced the same results. So you have to change something and maybe allowing Jazz Shelley to shoot the ball 25 times in a game, though you don't want to do that, maybe that's their, their best-case scenario. And I would contend, don't let Jazz do Let Isabella Bourne do that because mm. she is more of a threat inside and out. And if she's on a heater, that team's pretty dangerous. So <laughs> yeah. I would almost maybe run the team through Bourne. The Nebraska women right on the bubble, Creighton women projected as a seven seed. You have Nebraska basketball that is fighting for a spot in the NIT. You have Creighton basketball who is going to make March depending on you know how the Big East – you know, conference tournament lines up, we'll know their seed. And then you even have Omaha Hockey, who will be hosting a playoff game. Kevin, what are, are your thoughts on the postseason potency that is taking place in Nebraska this year? <laughs> it's pretty fun. You know, it, everybody's excited about, about Matt Rule and spring football at Nebraska, but it's going to be not back page news, but it's going to be second page news because you're going to have all these teams that are pushing for championships or playing in. Uh, significant postseason. I know you say Nebraska NIT. There is an outside possibility, and I'll be this guy. <laughs> be that guy. <laughs> they could make the NCAA tournament. Laugh all you want. That's but awesome. Team, if they win the next three games, yep. I think the likelihood of that is probably under ten percent. But uh, two of those two of those games are at home, where Nebraska is really good. But if you humor me, if Nebraska wins their next three games in the regular season. They are 17 and 14. Win a game at the Big Ten tournament. They would be 18 and 14. If you go one and one, you're 18 and 15 with the fifth best strength of schedule in the yeah, nation. Yeah, you got a They're, case. That's not bad. You've got a number of quad one wins in there. They might be in the dance. You, you've you've got a case. You because if you beat Minnesota and Michigan, State. Or, excuse me, Michigan State and Iowa. If you concede Minnesota that that's a win, that's two more quad ones right there. Exactly. That's my point. And if you look at uh, so many of these teams, ACC, uh, Mountain West has some teams that, you know, they have good records, but their quad ones are low. Nebraska would have, what, five, six? And, and depending upon who would they would potentially match up with in the Big Ten tournament, they could have seven quad one wins. That With that resume... I think it might be put them, putting them right on the bubble. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying it, it's possible and maybe a little more possible than people even think because everybody is caught up in the NIT right now, and I think that's a legit possibility. And wouldn't that be fun? You know, Andrew, as you mentioned, all the, the postseason potency, there could be a lot of basketball left at Pinnacle Bank Arena this season. The Husker men and women may be playing in Lincoln. 
Do you know who only has five quad one wins right now, Kevin? Not UNC. <laughs> Funny yeah, guy. Definitely not UNC. Marquette. Uh, hit, hit me with that. Marquette. Really? Marquette is five and five <laughs> in quad one games. I think the thing that I look at is who's got a winning record. Now, they're 14th in the net rankings, but I just for c- comparison to humor, you said humor you, so I'm, I'm giving you some ammo. Marquette only has five quad one wins. I mean, if Nebraska has more than five, I'm, I'm not trying to compare Nebraska to Marquette. But, I, but I'm saying, you know, like, there, there's a lot of things. You look at the Big 12, right? They're playing quad ones every week. Yep. And some of their quad one record, the record's not that great, but they have some wins in there. Iowa State, for instance, you know, this is a team, they've got a number of quad one losses. But what do they have, six, seven quad one wins at the they're, moment? They're eight and nine. They have a sub-500 record against quad, in quad one games. Eight and nine? Yeah. Eight they nine versus 17 quad one games? Eight and nine in quad one games. Looking that, right that at it. Cool. It's staggering, isn't it? <laughs> that is ju- that that just speaks to how tough the Big 12 is and why it's not so surprising that that league had so many teams have double digit losses or near double digit losses because they're playing just a monstrous schedule. Yeah. TCU 5 and 9 in quad 1 games. Wow. They're a good team too. What's right? They're healthy. They're dangerous. What's K-State? Uh 8 and 6. 8 and 6. Kevin, I'm now kind of now you have my attention. Yeah, Big Twelve, here we go. <laughs> Good job, Kevin. Kevin, appreciate you, man. If they do, oh my gosh, that's Kevin Suits, Sports Director at Ten Eleven. Now, hey, when we take a break, uh, let's come back with the proposed college football rules changes because I feel like an official today. I feel like an official. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Official, DB. Uh, you couldn't hear me there, but I feel like your top official. You could. People out there could not hear me. My headset was uh, not potted up just yet. But the, why do you think I feel like the top official in football right now? I don't know. Because you're wearing stripes? Uh, your hat? The white hat. Oh, I see that. Such a play on... Non words. <laughs> I know, Sip. He does sometimes. He it kind of looks like hey, it over there. Do you think this shirt is white with black stripes or black with white stripes? It is white with black stripes. I think you're right. Because why would the interior be white if it weren't? I'm kind of with you on but that. But then one. the collar and the sleeves make it almost seem like it's black with white stripes. Do you uh, do you rep any logos on it at all? Logos? No. My other one has a Misha patch, and that made me have to go buy a new. Oh, oh, because you, that was certified in Missouri. Yeah, yeah, but it does not correspond to Nebraska. Some, <laughs> some guys do that. We have a couple of guys uh, that put on tournaments here locally. Alvin uh, Reefstad, Oklahoma Tyler. They'll put on these these tournaments together, and and a lot of the officials that they get are like regional, and one in particular that they like huh. is is from Missouri. Wow. And so he comes up to work games. He, you Best know, people. He, he gets a hotel. Right. And I was talking Sunday with a couple guys at UBT because two I had just seen working Metro games. I'm like, man, you guys never – you guys just get games in. And, and one of the guys looked at me and he goes, you know, he says, if you look at it the right way, considering it's a job, you don't really pay much attention to the hours. 
you just figure you're going to put in an eight or nine hour work day anyway. So you do what you do. And I, and I, it was just, it just caught me off guard. I was like, I wonder how many people like actually think like that. Or is it, man, I'm about to get this money. <laughs> you know, you That's start, me. you start doing, that is me. you start doing the number of games and multiplying yeah. it by hour. And, and you start doing the games at the higher levels. I'm telling you, you well, can make a buck. Well, believe me, I, I, yeah, You're a lot of those guys are my, <laughs> a lot of those guys are my friends. So it's like, I get it, but I, I just don't know. You you have to have a unique ability to flush, turn off, start again, and it's not for everybody. That's why I tell people about education, uh, because teaching and being in education and investing in young people doesn't just stop when you go home some can do it the good ones a lot of times they can't you know for instance th- that bed that we needed yesterday that yeah, we had picked sure. up that's for a student i love that you know it's life happens uh, living situation changes rapidly we got to try to adjust do what we can it's like I hope, does, he likes it, a, or he, I hope he or she, I don't know he, who, I hope he likes a firm mattress because that I, mattress is firm. I, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, if he's, if he's a little stiff at weights and conditioning or can't sit upright in class, Blame the mattress. I'll, uh, <laughs> let know. I'll let you know. But yeah, so it's like, that's why I feel like the key to officiating is you can't let some of that stuff stick with you. I mean, we've 100%. seen we've we've seen the we've heard read the it's, da- the, the, it's da- hard the, to let go. the Dankinger stories, right? We shoot we are uh, one of the local ones, John Higgins. I mean, the the threats to the to the work establishment from KU fans and the aftermath of that and who said what? Like some of that's you. Sometimes it's not a, the morning after we're talking about your guy. You called him by name, although I saw that on social media a ton last night, and now he has apparently a burner Twitter account, John Anderson. It's like, if you can't flush and wash, man, it is, it would be next to impossible to do. It's not an easy job. And as you said, it's not for everybody. But as we look at the job on the football side of things, there may be some new rules in place, whether it's next season or in seasons to come. And it almost seems like every sport out there, DB is trying to speed up the game trying to get it over with faster, whether that's to retain fans, whether that's to get new fans, or whether that's, you know, just because they're taking a lot of a lot of feedback from people saying, hey, this game could be three hours and 15 minutes opposed to three hours and 30 minutes. I don't know the difference there between those two times. If it's over three hours, man, this game is a long one. Right. Yeah. If if it's two hours and forty five minutes opposed to three hours, I really still don't see the difference there. Adding that ten or fifteen minutes, but at the same time, you kind of go with uh, with the, with the changes. And uh, here are some of the so called proposals. So for one, outlawing consecutive timeouts. This rule would prevent one timeout from being called right after another, which often happens as teams try to ice kickers. Adopting from the NFL. Understood. I think it's fine. I don't have any problems with it. 100%. Not extending quarters. This rule could make it so that a first or third quarter would not be extended for an untimed down. If the quarter ends on a defensive penalty, uh, that down would be clocked into the next quarter. Doesn't bother me either. 
If that's a change that you want to make, I think it's very minor to the outcome of a game because it happens in the first and third, and it doesn't fall into the second and fourth. Running clock. According to this rule, the clock will continue to run after an offense gains a first down, except inside two minutes and a half. That will be something to get used to. Yeah, because I think how many times have we heard in college, in the college game, you could hear it on a broadcast, when the clock stops after a first down, and they'll tell you, they'll say 50 seconds can be an eternity. They probably don't think like that in the NFL because the clock never stops. And, you know, 50 seconds, it's pretty hectic. They certainly wouldn't say it's an eternity, although we've seen um, comebacks happen. I mean, some teams like Kansas City only need 13 seconds. So um, that would be that would be vastly different. With, with, the with the untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarter, that doesn't really speed up the game, though, going back to the second one, right? Like – that that in theory that wouldn't speed up the game if it's an untimed down on a penalty and it ends it's at the end of the right. second quarter just go to the half say that happens every single game um at least one time what does that save you two minutes maybe maybe right yeah maybe it's not much but as you, to further your point it doesn't happen every single game so uh is this rule just in place so that you can shave off a minute or two if now, need be now this third one though with the with the clock not stopping after first downs that does change that does tempo. change the tempo quite a bit and it's more a stressor on the coaching staff and the hurry up offense to get things ready sequentially than it is to Speed I mean, just the game. Think up. about Nebraska here. You know, they want to get more into using the huddle, being in the huddle, yeah, getting I, to the I, line. Uh, I know that, you know, at different moments in the game, you can run a hurry up offense and be fine. But, you know, as they run a pro style offense, this kind of benefits them in yeah. a way. And if you're taking a look at, I mean, I, we, we were joking in the first segment about Coach Rule's tweet last night. I think what they were really looking at is two-back run game. Oh, they weren't looking at the guy that was running the football? <laughs> I think Your bestie? I think they were really looking at – you're an idiot. They were, they were looking at uh, two-back run game. So if uh, operating along those lines, I think – I don't know if they're necessarily like, hey, the fewer the snaps, the better. But I do think there's a style of play that they want to play that would lend itself to being able to win games in the Big Ten. So it, it's not as, as, as prudent for them to play tempo. Hey, I don't think it was coincidence that that was the photo that was tweeted out. I'm just <laughs> is anything right that now. Coach Rule does coincidence? <laughs> and the last one that is probably the most controversial is another running clock rule. And it's the clock will continue to run after an incomplete pass once the ball has been spotted for a play. Yeah. I think that's a little ridiculous. I don't like that at all. I don't I don't and I don't think that's going it Thank is. You. I don't I don't think that's going to pass. And here's the deal. Who's a bigger victim of not understanding pace versus duration? Major League Baseball or college football? Cuz I don't look at a college football game, I don't think ever and think, man, this is taking forever because something's always happening. So the pace is okay, right? I don't think we would worry about having a three-hour and 30-minute baseball game 
if they're if the pace was was quick. Baseball makes more sense when it comes to speeding up the game. If you want to make a case for any sport, the duration or what happens within the game. The duration. See, I don't know if that matters if you're moving. If you're pitching the ball every 15, 20 seconds and you're not throwing over six times in a row, are you thinking whether something's three hours or 330? I'm thinking like, oh, man, this game's lasting a while. I'd be curious. But I think something's are the same. Right. You know, speeding up the stuff inside the game speeds up the duration. Well, so when when Beltran's not hosing, guys – in the ninth inning, I love, to, I love when you bring up Beltran to, to to save runs versus the Dodgers, and you get into the fourteenth inning with game winners. At what point did de- of length of game creep into your frontal lobe? Right, well, it didn't. It, it has because never, it's never crept into because something is always happening. I just think we confuse pace with duration, and they're and I think they're different. And in football. It maybe it's more for the television time windows than it is for our eyeballs. Because we're already contemplating whether we want to actually go to the game or sit at home with our Wi-Fi. I mean, we've heard these arguments, right, of why people don't always attend sporting events. Um, but do you ever get – do you ever – and maybe I'm biased. Do you look at a football game and you think, man, we need to speed this no, up? No, never. I, I don't I, think I've ever thought that. And and how much are you really speeding it up at the end of the day? That's what I really want people to think about. I just, You're I, saving – at most, twenty minutes. I just don't want to. I just don't want to compromise the integrity of the game for the sake of speeding it up. And I right. think that last rule um, is not a DB thing. When we come back, let's talk to Matt DeMarinas, uh, White and Blue Review contributor. Lots still to get to with Creighton. He's on deck. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. We almost wonder, do you want to miss it? Are you better off missing this? Jones with one more. Misses it. Shireman the rebound. Heaves it up well short. And Marquette grabs a giant road win at Creighton. Man, was that as close to a foul, too? Stop. As Shireman gets that board and hucks it up. If, Can you, you, if you are Shaka Smart, are you, like, talking to Cam at the end of the game and, th- and saying, like, hey, uh, let's not get that close no, next time? I think because I, they've been whistle happy. Yeah, I think given what was going on in that game, you're just happy that the clock finally hit zero if you're on the good side. I think he's probably like, man, let's get out of here. This this was dicey from the jump. That's way too close for comfort for me, trying to play defense on a three-quarter heave. Dicey from the jump. Hey, let's uh, keep this conversation going with our guy, Matt DeMarinas. He is a white and blue review contributor contributor, excuse me, on the stream right now with us, if you can catch us live on YouTube, live on Twitter. Matt, good morning, man. Morning, fellas. How we doing? Matty, how are you, buddy? 
I'm good. A little sleep deprived, but I'm good. <laughs> so, Matt, I, I, start here though. Can can I can I ask this? I was just gonna say I didn't know when we wanted to book him early in the week. I was like, hey, we got to get Matty D on this week. Perfect time. I had, and we said like Wednesday, so he could get the big time slot. I had no idea that this game was going right. to happen the night before. So. Yeah, you know, Matt, all I really want to ask you is your initial reactions to the game now that you've had over 12 hours to kind of let it soak in. Yeah, the, I mean, the prevailing thing is that Tyler Kolick was incredible. Uh, basically, as soon as Marquette hit panic zone, because it's rare, it's really rare when a coach has to call two timeouts that. in one half, and you, that's... That's a sign that the coach feels like his team is 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 wilting a little bit and needs a wake up call or just needs something to really lock in. And for Shaka to have to call two timeouts in the first half, kind of let me know that he felt like his team was was on the way to getting their doors blown off. And that when you when they came out of that, Tyler Koldick was a different human being. I mean. I think Creighton had done a good job of kind of bottling him up, either bottling him up or him just maybe not being as involved as he needed to be. I think it's probably a little bit of both. But uh, after that point, when Marquette hit that danger zone, he took the game over, and, and especially in the second half and down the stretch, just an absolutely masterful performance. One of the best individual performances I've seen all season in terms of controlling so many facets of the game from pace to movement offensively, to where guys are supposed to be, to getting to his own kill spots inside and outside the arc, to finding guys um, after manipulating defenders to to draw attention to himself. Like, just an absolutely dynamite performance from that guy. Yes. I mean, the, unbelievable. This is why I love, like, so, so everybody, oh, you know, you're a huge Maddie fan, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, so this is kind of some of the cool things that I like about you, though. Like, you're the ultimate fan but you do media work, so you have this like pretty cool balance of being able to to be retrospective and and still give analysis. So I'm glad you got we've got some time here because I want to ask you something that is right in your wheelhouse. What do you think in that environment was the difference when you referenced the timeouts that that Shaka called? Creighton had got it to 12. They come out of the second timeout and immediately go to work. They scored, mm-hmm. I think it was a 7-0 run. Um, they cut the deficit. And so you think, okay, they're going to be hanging around versus the quick timeouts that Matt called in the second half when they were turning the ball over early, and it took his team a little bit of time to kind of respond. What What do you think was the difference and how those messages were received, given the similarities of why the timeouts were called. Yeah, I think there was a mentality shift when you looked at the, just the tenor of each team's attitude towards how the game was being played out. I think when you when you saw Creighton up twelve and Marquette, you know, basically punting timeouts to try to get <laughs> something going, you know, I think Creighton felt really good about how the game was transpiring in terms of. The things they were doing to make Marquette out of get out of Marquette out of rhythm and off schedule offensively versus what they were getting on the other end of the floor and how easy it was. I mean, they were getting to the rim. They they were like seventy eight percent at the rim. Um, I think at that point they were still perfect, and they were also getting really good looks from three. They hadn't they they started off ice cold, 
But once Mason Miller and Francisco Farabello came in and knocked a couple down off the bench, that kind of broke, lifted the lid off the basket from three-point line. And uh, it just the, the quality of offense for Creighton was was A+. And after that second time out, I feel like to some degree, Kate, Creighton came out and thought this is going pretty easily so far. We just stick with what we're doing. It'll be all right. And Marquette dialed it up. And I think you saw them come out of the locker room with a different level of intensity on Marquette's side, and Creighton just never was able to match it until you got to about that under eight spot in the game where they were down 10 and desperate at that point. Uh, so I think something changed with Marquette's mentality that allowed them to overcome what was at that point all Creighton on both ends of the floor. And, you know, at the, it, Creighton did come back in the game. They didn't, you know, give themselves a chance to win. But I think you just ultimately ran out of time in that in that aspect. But Marquette dialed up their intensity to a level that was championship level. And and you in the second half, when you look at the type of defense they're playing, how disruptive they're being, and how efficient they were offensively, that that was a team that said we got twenty minutes to basically win a championship today. Let's let's get it done. And that's what they did. Hey, speaking of overcoming things, how quickly does Creighton need to overcome this game? Put it behind them. And look forward, you know, because there was so much that happened, so many emotions in this basketball game. How do they quickly put this one behind them and say, look, we still have a job to do? Do you need me to pull up Justin Moore's clip reel from last night? Oh, my gosh. His his post game was sensational, too, though. Like, he's a real dude. I am amazed that he's back to that form this quickly after what he had to go through. That's... They're, 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 they are legitimately some cyborgs at Villanova. Like, and I, he I legitimately almost choked on a dunk too. Like, it, and he, and he was unflappable. He's like, yeah, okay, maybe I don't have my bounce, but I got some other game. Seriously, that's a, that's a, that's a bad dude feeling really good right now. And Max said it in the post game. Uh, immediately is the word, how quickly they need to wipe this and move on because the Big East regular season title, for all intents and purposes, unless Marquette you know, chokes it away at this point is, is wrapped up. So the goals from here on out are bounce back, get some mojo going, start playing your best basketball because you need to be, you know, you need to look, start looking towards New York, start looking to NCAA tournament seating. And all of that starts with Villanova. You have to be able to, it actually starts with practice The you know, the, I think they'll probably take today off, but whenever they get back in the gym, it starts with that prep. They have to be mentally ready for everything Villanova is going to do, and and not so much uh, about this game anymore. Under have to be quick. Undersell, oversell, much ado about nothing. It feels like this is just me. It feels like we're kind of underselling the the in between inside the walls coaching jobs that this staff has to do with this team. Right, coaching a lot of good players. That was the start of the season. Embracing roles, that was part of it. You had some ebb and flows of some early season struggles. You got to revisit the Nimhart, Alexander, Kaluma, Kalkbrenner, Synergy. You get it going. Nimhart kind of gets a little bit of backlash. He gets it going. Kaluma gets benched last night. You're going to have to start there. Sharman was struggling. Are we underselling what's happening or what has to happen 
that we're not seeing on the basketball court, or is this just simply the cost of doing business of a top 20 program? To some degree, a little elements of all of what you just laid out there, not to kind of cop out, but you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think they're going through anything unique in terms of trying to find a way to make five guys on the floor click at the same time or to a high enough level where you're, where you're seeing consistency. The thing that the challenge going forward now will be to try to get that as close to what we just laid out there as possible from here on out because time's running now. Now it's you're almost to one and done mode at this point, you know, because you have Nova, Georgetown, DePaul left, and then it's then it's then it's elimination games the rest of the season. So it it the the thing that is a little off right now and, and you're starting to see it in their metrics offensively, there has been a dip in terms of their effectiveness over the last probably month of February. Now the 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 pushback on that is they've also played some elite defensive teams in that stretch. So there is give and take there, right? You can't you're not gonna be lighting up Yukon, Providence, uh, you know, those teams like that on a nightly basis. So there has to be something there that is understood from the outside looking in. But yeah, Creighton needs to figure out a way to to get some more you mentioned synergy, some more like just flow within that main five and also incorporate what is a surging um, bench unit all of a sudden. Like Sharif Mitchell is playing the best basketball of his career or not his career, but of the season. Mason Miller is playing the best basketball of his career and season. And Francisco Verabello had a good night last night. He hit a three. He had a steal in the lane defensively. He made a nice backdoor read uh, and passed to Nemhard for a tough finish late when they needed a bucket. So he's starting to come together, um, and you're starting to see that the the you know you can rely on eight or nine guys now when the five aren't working, and that's what Creighton went to last night. Um, but yeah, it, uh, they have to figure out a way to get Kalkbrenner more involved offensively, not just with ball screens, but with touches. Because I think I still think a lot of good things come when he gets touches, and Marquette Marquette did a really good job of swarming him. You know, and it, it reminded me of football a little bit because they had kind of like bracket coverage. It wasn't always zone, but it was always there was always a backside threat uh, chasing down, you know, getting to him on airtime. There was always, you know, p- guys fronting the post. I thought Oso Igador did a great job of kind of having a hand in front of the in the passing lane at all times. And it just made Creighton hesitant to throw the ball into the big man. And they have to figure out a way to get him get the ball in his hands because it just the defense, his gravity opens up everything for everybody else. So they have to figure out a way to incorporate him more. It's not just about shot attempts. It's about touches. He can't just be involved in ball screens and re-screens. He has to get touches. too. Okay. So that's the thing, right? Cause, and I was saying this to Andrew in the first segment, Marquette ran a lot of the same action. The majority of the night, especially with the low hole ball screens, letting Kolick kind of, kind of go to work with those low ball screens. Right. And it really started to be effective late in the game, and I think it was even Nimhart in the postgame that said, listen, they ran a lot of the same action. Talking about Kalkbrenner, because I was a little shocked that he only had the five, the six, I think it was four or five, the five shot attempts. Mm-hmm. How much of it is the action with those ball screens, if he could just face up or maybe have the threat of putting the ball on the deck? Because I think that's really the only difference between him and Iguodala, right, was he would face Kalk up, and sometimes the drop coverage, it was like, oh, boy, 
We're giving him room to work, and he's going to hit the little floater or something like that. And then Kolek got busy. It's not in it's not in Kalkbrenner's game, I don't think. So you're not going to just start at this stage of the season. But how can they make it a a different sort of ball screen game without his back to the basket? Uh, well, I think you have to be you have to be able to manipulate the the, def- the defense with the ball. So I think one thing that Creighton got away from last night was pass fakes. Like they didn't. Oh, Mag was heated <laughs> over that. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't move the defense's eyes and feet. Like I'm telling you, in college, there's very little space to operate. That's why you see guys that, you know, have some raw talent that you usually are better offensively at the next level, even though it's harder. Um, there's more space to operate at the next level than there is in college. Like teams, you usually have a guy on your team in college that doesn't need to be guarded, so a t- so defenses can sag in. Plug the lane. Not you don't have much much space to operate with Kaufmaner and Creighton last night. They they just got away from moving the defense with the pass fake, and it doesn't take much. All you got to get, all you needed is a guy to be a step out of position, or you know, late with what he's reading defensively, and then the ball gets to where it needs to go, and then you can flow off of it. So that's the one thing that Creighton got away from last night. That they were picking Marquette apart pretty early in the game. And I think they they probably thought this is going to be pretty easy work tonight, um, mm. and they just kind of got away from the simple things that create high quality looks, and that's why you saw the turnovers come, you know, in rapid succession in the second half because Creighton was just kind of thinking they could get wherever they wanted to get and didn't have to do the little things like pass fakes or you know get into the teeth of defense and jump stop and you know pivot one or two times and and spray it out and get moving off of that and cutting. So I think it, 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 that's kind of what Creighton needs to do offensively in order to get Kalkbrenner involved because, especially against teams that are long like Marquette, um, you have to be able to manipulate them with pass fakes and things like that. Keep it here. Outside of the fact that Marquette did a really good job of swarming down low, do you think the lack of shot production from Kalkbrenner comes because he doesn't really go to his left hand he's the type of guy that likes to back down a defender and and roll and whether it's do a hook or use his right hand and kind of whip his left shoulder down because I don't see him too often take what he's getting and you know turn his body around toward the hoop if he's on the right side of the basket does that make sense um so if he some degree I think he's really good going over his shoulders though it's 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 all about where how much position he can get early and if he can get an early seal that's where he has to have a touch there. That's what I mean. Like there's times where in possessions he'll get an early seal and the ball won't be delivered. So he has to come all the way back out from the rim, set a ball screen, another screen. And then usually that gets reversed. Right. Other side yeah. of the floor. Right. And I'm with like, that. Yeah. I'm with that. So, but when he has positioning down low uh, and he say he's on the, the right block or I guess the left block in this case, and he gets the ball and he does his, his so-called back down to the defender instead of going left ever or, bringing his right yeah. shoulder down and going up with his left, it tends to feel like he only wants to go up with his right, which is obvious. It's his dominant hand. But it, could you get more production out of him if he went left, or is that just completely out of the question because it, you won't get as much good production out of him if he does try to utilize his left hand? 
Yeah, I, 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 that's a tough question for me to answer. I'd have to go back and kind of look at his possessions, but I feel like he's really good on the left block. Like right. that's where a lot of his production comes from, just in memory. And I know he hit a righty jump hook against Butler that I can remember, or Manny Bates, where he went over his left shoulder. And then last night he had oh so isolated on the left block, and he kind of drove to the lane like he was going to go to that righty jump hook, and then he spun left and finished it off the glass. Yeah. He had another and one that just lipped out off of a spin left. So I think he's actually pretty good on the left block, just off memory. But um, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty fair question. I have to go back and look at the the you know break down the tape to give you a better answer. Unfortunately, Matt, let me let me ask you something philosophically again. I'm gonna stay right in your wheelhouse. What's the difference in your opinion between a team saying, "Hey, that's who we are. These are the kind of shots we take," versus kind of self awareness in the moment? where you maybe need a paint touch. You maybe don't need to shirt, shoot, you know, the 28-footer for the heat check, even though that is it's kind of who you're capable of being. Like, is, is, there a, is there a tug of war there, or do you not really have a problem with shot selection with, with Creighton? In particular last night where I thought some of it got away from him in terms of, of getting those paint touches. Well, the thing that... The thing, the thing for me is it shouldn't be because paint touches are a priority for Creighton. That's the getting inside and out is the basis of their whole system. You know, you want so, so how do I so how do I so how do I rationalize only five field goal attempts and ten of twenty eight yeah. from three? Yeah, I don't. That's that that was tough for me to compartmentalize <laughs> last night too. As I'm watching, I'm like, you know, Creighton hasn't missed inside the arc yet. Yet they're zero for eight from three, and they've only taken four twos. Like. You know what That's I mean? Early. Oh You're, yeah. Oh yeah. In my, I always, I always say this too, and people kind of laugh at me because they think I'm kind of dumbing it down too much. But I think this game is about math, in my opinion. Like, you have to be able. You're trying to be more efficient than your opponent at the end of the day, because that's going to be reflected on the scoreboard. And and I am, I do subscribe to the make shot, miss shot, as long as what you're getting is quality. But I do, I am more in the in line with balance. I think if you have opportunities to score inside and you're doing it effectively, you have to be able to keep going in there and create situations for yourself to the point where you almost force a defense to sell out to stop that to create the other part of the game, which is a three-point shot. And I thought Creighton started the game a little three-point happy. Now, the looks they were getting, you could argue, were good, but when you're 0 for 8 from 3 and and 4 for 4 from 2, uh, the math is kind of beating you over the head at that point. Like, get the ball inside the arc, find a way to get to the rim, find a way to get called. Yeah, De- DeMar DeRozan, Devin Booker, right? Like, Kawhi Leonard, you're efficient enough with twos. Yeah, like if you're, yeah, like don't hate, don't hate what's working for you. You know, like just go, keep going to it until Marquette stops you. I mean, that's what Marquette did last. Marquette to go five of 18, 18 from three. That's atypical for them. They shoot it better than that. But you know what was working for them? Yeah, they shoot sixty percent inside of two. They got downhill in the lane. Like you know what? This is kind of pretty effective. Let's stick with it here. Let's you know they only took ten threes in the second half. Um, you know they just kept going inside and inside, and you know they got to the rim. They weren't afraid to try to challenge Kalkbenner. Uh, they did a good job manipulating defenses and and drawing people to the ball handler and then playing off of him with cutters. Uh, I think the you know Marquette's cutting efficiency last night has to be off the charts because. It felt like every time they got the ball inside, someone was coming off the other weak side of the floor, you know, into a passing window for an easy layup or a dunk, so or to get fouled and go to the free throw line. So, um, yeah, you just kind of have to fi- figure out what's working for you in the game. 
process it in the moment, and then go to it until the other team makes you do something else. We're talking to Matt DeMarinas at MJ DeMarinas on Twitter. Matt, at this stage in the season, how critical, how crucial have the bench points been for Creighton? He, he started last... this early in the non-con. <laughs> right. He's like, hey, guys. In the <laughs> last few couple games, whatever you want to say, especially when you have a situation like last night where Kaluma finds his way to the bench. Yeah, well, look, it's, it, I can put this as simply as possible. The more guys you have on a scouting report that have to be accounted for accounted scouted. for from an opposing defense makes you tough to beat on a short prep. And at this point, we're getting to the point in the year where short preps are all these teams are going to have. Um, so the more options that Creighton has from a coaching staff perspective where they think, like, look, you know, we've gotten three or four kind of dud minutes out of player A Let's give player B some reps and see if we can change the complexion of the game here. And honestly, like the way Marquette started the second half, who changed the complexion of that? Sharif Mitchell's defense, Mason Miller banging a three. Um, late in the game, Francisco Barabello, I mentioned the backdoor read he made to Nemhard. Like those guys contributed. And, I mean, t- and, and two and of it, those three had two of the only three plus minuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Farabello, right. Mitchell, and Kalkbrenner were the only three with, with a plus. Exactly. And and honestly, look at the start of the game, too, even though Creighton played pretty well for that first, you know, 15 or so minutes and and then finished the half pretty well. Um, the first two threes of the game were guys off the bench. You know what I mean? Yeah. Guys that a in Farabello haven't been hitting shots all season. And another guy in Mason Miller, whose minutes have kind of been, you know, uh, a roller coaster ride throughout the year. So those are the two guys that broke the seal for you in the first half and got your offense really it got your offense going to the point where Shaka Smart's looking at the stat sheet going, okay, they haven't missed inside the arc and now these bench guys that we really didn't, you know, scout to take away tendencies of are banging threes in our face. Like this is panic zone. Like I'm I need to I need to get this thing, you know, buttoned up here, otherwise we're in trouble. Uh, better case to be made for a fishing. And I, God, this was a fast 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> the Creighton women at UConn or, or last night at CHI? The better case for what? To be made about, to be upset about officiating. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, no, I, this, is the, this is the running thing I tell people all the time. As bad as you think the officiating is on the men's side, you have not. The people that only watch one or the other. You have not. You have not experienced anything like this. Last night, I I didn't even. I barely batted an eye last night. I know other people disagree. And honestly, one thing I haven't seen on the women's side is a ref squaring up to a coach. That's hey, bad. there it is. <laughs> That's new for me. I've seen bad calls on 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 the women's side, but I haven't seen a ref square up to a coach yet. So that was new. that was a new experience in in in, in refing. But no, the you the game at Gamble was a far far bigger robbery than anything that transpired last night. I thought there were more there were more situations that Creighton could have controlled that would have made the officiating null and void last night that they didn't. And it and it brought the officiating into the equation. And then you start going back over foul, no foul, like mm-hmm. you know, what you can call when, like, you know, didn't have hard foul Cam Jones at the end of the game. By the letter of the law, yeah. By the way the game was officiated for forty minutes, no. Like <laughs> So you can go back and forth on that all day. The bottom line from last night is Creighton lost more 
lopsidedly, is that a word, in the controllable area to Marquette than they did in the officiating. The game at Gamble was absolutely just ripped away from the team that outplayed the other team. So that's not even – it's not even in the same stratosphere. No. Absolutely. Oh. I, I want – no, that's what people need to understand. Hey, let's just remember, too, that this happened in the regular season we, and not in conference we got a championship chance. play or March Madness. Hey, we, thanks, we love Matty D. Thanks, Matty. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. You too. That's Matt DeMarinas, White and Blue Review contributor. Coming up next, as we continue our roster breakdown, we move over to running backs, which Coach Rule was taking a peek on over uh, last night's, uh, let's just say, uh, old footage. He went into the archives. <laughs> That's next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, did you find yourself watching the Orange Bowl MVP last night? That is so overblown, man. You know I don't even like... like, (laughs) You love the attention. Yeah, yeah, right. That's why I'm giving it to you. I'm feeding you. I know you need it. I know you need that. Love it, love it, love it. No, that was great what Caleb did on social media. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it is because, (laughs) you know, my dad's not on social media and doesn't have the following, obviously, that you have either. But when I converse with my dad, I, like, say that in the room. But, like, it makes total sense that he went to (laughs) social media so he could fuel up everybody there. He doesn't doesn't say anything really ever. But every now and again on social media. I'm with it. I'm here for it. Yeah, he ha- he had his moment. He's a f- he's a funny kid. He is when he talks. He's a funny guy. We'll see <laughs> if he has dinner on the table tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not a chance. Some, some he was talking us. about running around to Walgreens and getting a prescription. I was like, Oh yeah, Where, you, 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 you yeah you getting that? You know. And actually, the funny thing is, is he he does have a a, a vehicle. It's just weird how. Once he said that out loud on that deal with Max Coughlin, because it, it was out on social media, it was like 94 feet or whatever, where you just walk and talk. And at the very end, he kind of slid it in. He's like, oh, you know, what's one thing that people don't know about you? Well, I'm 17 and I don't have my own car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mom's looking at me sideways. And people are Twitter's letting me have it. And I'm just like, what is going on? So then there was some pressure. Social media is your And, and my oldest daughter, she said, two vehicles already so that's a little bit of a we got to balance Did you have to that. take one to Dingman's she oh she got it got totaled out so <laughs> so Dingman's couldn't do anything yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's above Dingman's pay grade so yeah that's the story of being a parent man uh, Matt Rowe, he's something else though I don't even know why he would put that out on social media but I do think I know what they were doing Remember what I said yesterday, too, (laughs) when we talked about how he watched, maybe it was two days ago, where he watches film and he's been watching practice, he's been watching workouts, Mm -hmm. and really all we heard was he's watching last year, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I think he's probably watching the archives, Yeah, and it just came out, you know, last night via picture for everybody to see, 
that I wasn't just blowing smoke when I'm saying, hey, Matt Rule is not only learning about, hey, what either and even I didn't learning about players. And yeah, not you. Even No, no. Even when you said that, even I didn't really take you. I just kind of laughed it off. Like, I'm like, archives, like, in my head. Like, we, we didn't get into it on, I'm like, nah, I doubt it. I mean, what's, what's he want to go back and look at? I mean, the game has changed so much. And sure enough, and he's, he's looking at he's, what he's what looking worked. at. He's looking at the archives. He's looking at what worked, and he's looking at tradition at the same time. Yeah, I, th- I just want to thank you. I think a lot of that man is is two back run game and and like that that kind of scheme action, right? Where he's looking at either you know for laughs and giggles. Let's say he wants to see power against an even front or trap or veer or whatever and i'm not saying he's gonna go you know trap and veer sometimes people hear those words and they're like oh that's archaic oh, blah. it's still two of the most unstoppable plays in football right it's just that nobody has patience enough to execute it but i'll get off that soapbox rather quickly so i think he was probably looking at families or or pet plays that go along in a family and uh I don't know why I picked Washington State, except for they were really good against the run, uh, and that was a that was a good football team. Uh, I, I th- the start of a good football team that year because two years later they'd play for they they play in a Rose Bowl against mm-hmm. Michigan to keep them from trying to split a national championship. Speaking of the run game, let's break down the running backs now. Yesterday we hit quarterbacks. Let's talk the running back room because there's a guy that we know (laughs) Matt Rule likes because he's brought him up a lot in conversation. He's a guy I like, and that's Gabe Urban Jr. He came up again last night on the Husker Radio Network. I did a hit with them, and uh, Gabe Urban Jr. came up again. I'm like, what? I feel like I'm inundated with speaking it into existence. The gay gay bourbon Irvin fan club. Let's not forget that he tallied 100 all-purpose yards last season, building off an injury-shortened 2021. He's someone that has talent and has the ability to be treated as a number one. It's why he started as a true freshman. It's just now you have some bodies in the way that really starts and sparks good competition because the guy at the very top yeah. is Anthony Grant after last season, running for 915 yards. He had uh, 18 passes over 100 yards. And let's remember, too, that he only lost one fumble, so he was very good at protecting the football, something that Matt Rule has been emphasizing on his group offensively, not just with his quarterbacks, but everywhere else. Else, And, and Barthel, he said the sky's the limit with this guy. In regards to his potential, yeah. he said the sky's the limit. So you have Gabe Irvin Jr. competing with Anthony Grant and vice versa. And then who else do you have? You have the guy that you like, yeah. somebody that has been on your radar and who you thought was actually probably the best runner of last season in A.J. Allen. Yeah, they're deep. And, and, I, and I know, how about this? How about how much they like Ramir Johnson? And that's another addition at the, you, at the, in the five. You in the talk about going five. back and watch film. I know it was a head scratch to that staff why he didn't play more. You know, it's like, hey, you know, what's the deal with this Ramir Johnson? On tape, talk. he looks, he's good in pass protection. He catches the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, he's a downhill runner, kind of a one foot and go guy, which is, I think, what they want. And it's the room, in my opinion, that I think has, outside of the secondary, has the most high-end range because they all could be good. There's not really 
um, a just okay guy in that room. They all have the ability to be pretty good. And there aren't a lot of position groups, I think, that can say that. And when you pit them with the coach that I'm arguably, it's a debate. I got a couple that are in the hunt now that I'm getting to know more. But EJ Mm -hmm. in the first couple weeks was like, Team EJ, Team EJ, (laughs) Team EJ. Uh, now he's got a little competition, but I am excited to see with what Matt they do. Rule. I, I I am excited to see what they do with him, Be, in 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 that room because I think he's going to get those guys to maximize. You talk about being in the best spot or feeling like you're in the best spot. They are very comfortable with their running back room, and it showed by not even going to the transfer portal and saying like, "Hey, uh, we got to add somebody. Uh, we got to bring somebody in." No, they like the room that they walked into. So even just the four guys that we listed there, that's just a a percentage. And, and I think of what six is okay for a scholarship running back room. Six is six is okay. You have so, Quentin Knives, yep. who was the walk on, yep. so he will have a scholarship. Emma Johnson. You have Emmett Johnson, who didn't really show last year because, you know, he redshirted. The forgotten man. Uh, Right. And uh, let's not forget, too, that Barthel recruited Johnson at a high school, so he knows him prior to this upcoming season. So you have Grant Allen, Irvin, Johnson, Johnson. So Johnson Johnson and Johnson. And Quentin Knives. There's your six right there. Is anybody going to step up via walk-on because you have some Nebraska natives that uh, have provided some depth. You have Schuster. You have um, Lubin. Lubin? Lubin. Lubin. Out of Wahoo. Yep. You have Harris out of Omaha South. You have Aiden Young out of Elkhorn. I mean, these are guys that were listed on Nebraska's 2023 roster. A couple of those guys I really like, too, in terms of their running ability. Uh, But have since been removed. Um, So, more likely, it's got to be a top five. Right? It's, it's a it's a it's a deep, talented room, and what I hope is they continue along the lines that they were progressing last year in terms of uh, just being professionals in the in that meeting room, which I think is a big deal because, as you know, working with me, like I just think sometimes running backs can be kind of prima donnas as nature by nature, them and wide receivers, and so. I think direction and discipline in that room is the most important thing because the talent, at least the baseline of talent, already resides in that room. It's just now manufacturing it and bringing it out on a daily basis. And let's even mention how about two current walk-ons from this last recruiting class. You have Cole Ballard and you have uh, Gage Wager. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and, and Coach Wager's son it's obviously brings – uh, the son of a coach, and, and you know what it's like watching Cole Ballard. See, Cole Ballard is one of those guys that I talk about who makes you uncomfortable that you're not doing something with him, if you're not doing something with him. Because he's going to practice in such a way, where again, where he doesn't need a babysitter. He's a tough guy. He's typically available, uh, and he's relentless. So he, he, he kind of, just his presence on the field, he kind of taps you on the shoulder, and it's like, hey, yeah, I'm here. And I'm still, you know, really anticipating the fullback position, right? And who's going to be there. And I think you're right. I I think you're spot on because I do think a lot of that, the film that he posted was literally about two-back run game. Right. 
So uh, there's your short breakdown on the running back room. We'll get into wide receivers, tight ends, all of that jazz uh, later on as the shows move for- further. But Two For You is actually up next. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved with the game we're about to play, two for you. One of our favorites here on the show. We play it every Wednesday, and it's presented by Dingman's Collisions Center. Dingman's is your one-stop shop for any car need you may have. I actually did have a light pop up on my car. On my dashboard, I, what was it? I don't think it thermostat. Was the, I don't think it was the tire pressure light. I've always had trouble with my check engine light on my car because of a sensor mishap. So I think I got to take my car over there just to see if they can figure it out. Because Our cars, every every body shop I take it to, it's like I don't know the answer. That's the answer I get. Our cars were cars better in the eighties and nineties. <laughs> And they were definitely made better, probably better materials too. I always wonder about it. Everybody talks about evolution in terms of people. It doesn't seem like it's like that with things in manufacturing. I don't know. It's there was less parts. Can't live with them, can't live without them. Am I right, Shane? Pardon? There was less parts, you know. I mean you don't have all the, the fancy stuff. <laughs> I love you. Well, I mean you don't have the D V D players in the in the glove box and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> DVD player. <laughs> you have the DVD player tire, with no tire, screen. Tire pressure sensors and all that other stuff. Yeah, all that other jazz. So it's a lot. So, Shane, is the proper term the more techno- electronic? The more technology you get in yeah, into that's the, it, yeah, okay. the more electronics you get into it, the chances are you're probably going to have more issues because there's more parts and more things available that can go wrong with the car because there's just more there. Gotcha. Are you saying and because I have Apple CarPlay, it's a bad thing? And no, no. I mean, that's a great thing. I wish I had it in mind. <laughs> by I the way, we, by the way, we heard you speeding off yesterday. <laughs> Why do you drive so fast? <laughs> I don't. It's just that gas pack I have in my in my car. I mean, I looked at Andrew. What was it like eleven? It was whatever it was yesterday. And I go, go Shane. I go, that's Shane's car. <laughs> like. Like, where were you rolling to? Remember, he gets up to the speed limit fast. He's such a Tim no, Johnson. No, I, I just went over to uh, Casey's to get uh, to get that uh, the breakfast bowl. The breakfast bowl. Yeah. I assume that's So were you in fifth gear by the time you got to Hooters? No. No. Kind of? No. Fourth? No. No, you couldn't get in fifth gear around here at all. <laughs> I don't know, man. I saw your transmission <laughs> kind of dragging a little. Let's get. It wouldn't have anything to do with the train. Well, you could, dro- you could drop it if you Come don't. If you're not I mean, shifting you'd, correctly. Yeah, but if you're if you're your RPMs, I mean, you'd be you'd be you'd have all sorts of car issues if you were doing fifth gear around here. <laughs> let's get let's get to this guy here. Yeah, let's do it, Shane. <laughs> you run the show. Oh, who do we have? We got Mike. We have Mike on line one. Mike, what's going on, man? No, not a lot, man. All right, Mike. Yeah. Here's how to play two for you if you haven't played before all you have to do is pick two people on the show okay you'll pick either shane db db myself or myself and shane and we will give four prompts say you don't pick me and you pick shane and db i'll give four prompts to the guys they will answer them they're general basic prompts some questions are a little harder than the other and uh, if they get two out of four right, you win the prize. If they get three out of four, you can keep doubling down and trying to get more money to spend at Hale Varsity Club. Sound good? Sounds good. We'll go with the flow. Just pick two people right off the rip. 
Uh, let's go with BB and Shane. <laughs> All right. Good example. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, man. You boys ready? No. You're, you ready, Shane? Mike, do, do I need to retreat by Jim yes. and Shane? Yes, yes. R- write all this down, right? You have to yes. write this down. Don't just look at me like you always do, like you're staring through me. Let's see if we can. We haven't had a $40 gift card. We have yet. not had a $40 gift card yet, and I'm feeling good today for Come on, Shane. All right, Shane, you ready? Let's do it. A steak temperature. Jesus. Is that like rare, medium, rare? Yep, yep. Oh, not an actual degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 162 um, degrees. <laughs> you're already starting off hard. Okay. An instrument. Oh, my gosh. Okay. An ocean animal. Okay. Red, yellow, or green? Oh, Lord, have mercy on my soul. Okay. Shane, Shane, you good down there? Can we have five? If we get past (laughs) the first one, I feel... Like a penguin? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Don't encourage Like a woman? (laughs) All right, come on, Shane. Don't, Don't let Mike down. Let's go. Shane, you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, Mike, you don't have to do anything. Just sit and enjoy because this is about to be uh, be a bit hectic. All right, guys. A steak temperature. Three, two, one. Well done. And that makes sense. Oh, four, one. (laughs) What did we just harp on last week, Shane? Yeah, well done versus rare because you guys were all about rare. (laughs) (sighs) All right, Shane, three three for the next three. Let's go. An instrument. Three, two, one. Guitar. <laughs> this is bad. Five. Mike, like, they, they have to shoot, get these two in order for you for to get 10. this gift card. All there right. was like 50,000 instruments you could have chosen. 50,000 instruments, Unless and you gets, chose drums. He can still get two beers with two gift cards or, or a gift card or sure a nice can. appetizer. All right, guys, let's move on. Ocean animal. Three, two, one. Shark. Shark. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Mike, then, Mike, if they get this right, you win a $10 gift card. All right, here we go. They have to get this right. It's either red, yellow, or green. Three, two, one. Red. Yes. 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 Oh, Good go. comeback. That was an obvious one, right? <laughs> I hope, hope so. You would hope. Sometimes we have obvious ones on air, Mike, and I got to tell you, we get some bizarre answers. <laughs> All right, so we get t- – Shane, wait, you should give him two just for being you, Shane. <laughs> now, that's that's actually <laughs> tough. Like, you picked – those were hard. I felt like steak temperature was relevant to what we have talked about before. An instrument, I, I think the two to choose from are A probably guitar, guitar and, and drums. Uh, well, well, I was thinking piano over drums. Well, if you think he can do better – I almost said drums. Full disclosure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you could do better, Mike, if you had – Damon and Andrew instead of me? I think so. Did you want to turn your $10 Maybe. card in and redo it? Oh, oh, oh deal, or, deal or no deal, Mike. The $10 gift card for the chance at 40 Well, here's my thing. I'm playing with house money anyway, so that we're always going to double. All right, Mike. DB and I will play. All right. And if we can get more than two, we'll give you a $40 gift card. Ooh, deal. really? Mm-hmm. 
We must like Mike. All right, like Mike. Hey, I like, like Mike. to be like Mike. <laughs> All right, let's get Mike paid. Here we go. DB, two or three? Just the number? Yeah, just pick two or three. No, 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 no. Oh, the number. Oh, three. I wore it three. in high school. Okay. Yeah. A pet store. You serious right now? I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Okay. Oh, Lord. A type of yard work. Okay. A Marvel superhero. Oh, all these are in my wheelhouse. <laughs> One is for sure. <laughs> yard work? No, the superhero. <laughs> and something Shane doesn't leave the house without. Are you kidding me? This is a gimme. This is a layup. Okay. All right. All right. All we need is more than two, and we'll reward Mike. Okay. Mike, thanks for sticking around for over yeah, six minutes now. Appreciate <laughs> that. Hey, Mike. Shane, you want to count us down? I'll say the prompt. You give us a three, two, one countdown. Gotcha. All right. A pet store. Three, two, one. Petco. Boom. All right, there I we go. I would have said PetSmart. Of course you would, Shane. <laughs> Not shocked. <laughs> of course you would. All right, let's go. We're one for A one. A type of yard work. Three, two, one. Mowing. Mowing. That's what I would have said. All right, let's two. go. Let's we need go. at least one more. <laughs> A Marvel superhero. Three, two, one. Captain, Captain America. America. Yes! Oh, let's go. <laughs> let's, Mike, we're playing the fourth one for fun, though. Oh, baby. <laughs> All right, this is it. This will be it. A, this will be the first if we do four for Something four. Shane doesn't leave the house without. Okay. Three, two, one. Vape, Vape pen. Yes! That's four. <laughs> yeah! Look, he's mad over there. Look. <laughs> I was going to say attitude, but that was... Oh, oh, definitely, definitely that. Yes. Mike, Shane, stay on the line. Shane will get We're you We're going to have it at the hostess stand for you. We'll write down your name. We'll take down your info. Sound good? Sounds great. Hey, appreciate hey, thanks, it. Thanks, Mike. Mike. Yeah, four for four. Finally. Yes. Dude, you said of steak temperature. And what are we talking an, and about? And an that? instrument. No, I'm with you. I knew it was going to be one or the other. I knew it was going to be rare or well done, but Shane likes well done. So I, and I don't, and I don't like rare. Your partner. I don't eat rare. I'm, I would be medium rare. So I should have said sweet meat. <laughs> sweet meat. <laughs> See, Mike was right. You do have bring an attitude. Yeah, you, do. you do bring an attitude. Hey, Shane, I just wanted to let you know that's how you go four for four. Hey, by the way, if you folks Captain didn't America ca- do it every time. If you guys didn't catch the tail end of Matt DeMarinas, if we had the heart out, it's on YouTube TV. His answer about the officiating, mm-hmm. I thought was fantastic. From I, from men's and women's. That and the fact that he said Creighton did enough last night. He said I didn't even bat an eye at it. Creighton didn't didn't do enough of the controllables to even entertain the officiating. Mm-hmm. He also said he didn't bat an eye because he watches a ton a lot of women's, women's basketball, basketball. <laughs> and the officiating there is not great. Yeah, he's like, yeah, what happened at the pavilion? <laughs> that was robbery. Yeah. You know, and I'll tell you what, great tease there, DB, because if you missed anything on the show, go check it out on the podcast. That's at HVarsity Radio. That's where all of our shows are docked. You can pull up your boat, take a listen for three hours, 
and uh, have some fun with us. A little extra fun, especially at the end when we play two for you. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, coming your way later this afternoon.